Welcome to the Best Picture Cast. I'm your host, Kieran B. I recently completed my goal of watching every Oscar Best Picture winner ever and decided to start a podcast to review each one. Each episode, myself and revolving co-hosts will discuss, assess, and evaluate a different Best Picture winner with the goal to establish a ranking for the entire list. This is not a who-should-have-won podcast. We are here to discuss the inner circle of movies who took home the crown in their respective years. As a disclaimer, this is an opinion-based podcast and a subjective discussion by movie enthusiasts who don't claim to be trained experts. If we destroy your favorite movie or praise a movie that you think is trash, we encourage you to write us in at our email, which is bestpicturepodcast at yahoo.com. Again, that's bestpicturepodcast at yahoo.com. You can also find us on our socials, Twitter. Facebook, Instagram are all at Best Picture Cast. Search Best Picture Cast, you will find us. And we are back yet again, episode 26. Here we are. And we invite you to consider yourself at home here for our Oliver podcast. We're, of course, in our second year or the beginning of our second year as a podcast. I'm inviting back two gentlemen who have been here quite a few times before. Before I do that, I, I do want to say, if you've heard this podcast before, if this is a first-time listen for you, and you like what you hear, we invite you to please rate and review on Apple or whatever service you use. Rate and review and subscribe. That helps our visibility. That helps our searchability. The episode this week is Oliver, and I have two co-hosts with me here today that I'm going to introduce now. First, we have Grant Z. Grant, welcome back. Hey, thank you very much for having me. It's uh, It's been a minute since I've been on. You picked a hell of a movie for me this time. <laughs> That's exactly right. And uh, I think the Christmas season was probably the last time we had it was, right at the home. home Alone. It was uh, December when I recorded, so it's it's been it's been a while. Yeah, for sure. And uh, our next call was supposed to be with us for the Platoon episode. We announced him for it, but uh, we do have him here today. And that's Chris G. Chris, welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me. You know, when I when you told me we were doing this movie, I, I had murderous thoughts. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> I have a lot to say about it. So. Yeah, so this is, if whether you're familiar with how we do this or not, we really do not talk about this movie before we record. So, completely blind. Yeah, I have no idea how much anyone liked or disliked this movie. It's we're we're going in blind with it. So I have uh, I have my bags packed and I'm ready to to go at it. But you know we we're not quite sure if we'll be uh, friends or enemies here with this one. But it should be interesting nonetheless. <laughs> Don't let Kieran fool you. He has a good idea of what's going to annoy us. Uh, and and sometimes he chooses people specifically to torture, yeah. uh, you particularly know. you, Chris. This, yes. this is and full full disclosure. Uh, this is Chris and I's first musical episode. Uh, we've never done it before. I'm not big on musicals. I don't know if Chris is either. Not at all. So yeah, Kieran is a uh, sadistic monster. <laughs> yes, knowing that we don't like musicals and giving us uh, this one. So and RDB and Joey are our normal kind of musical team. <laughs> yeah. And if you've listened to our rankings episode, you can clearly see that they're the ones that love Sound of Music and, and Grant and Chris here were both like, yeah, uh, I'm not seeing what you're seeing. So. Yeah, and I also, I, I, want, I want to address this too because Joey has this thought that I haven't seen it since I was like a baby. 
<laughs> and I haven't liked it. And I've seen it more recently than that. It, it hasn't been like yesterday, but I was late teens or something like that when I when I saw it last. And uh, I will rewatch it for our next rankings episode just to appease him, and I will keep an open mind. But I felt uh, I felt slighted, and I felt it was inaccurate. <laughs> And it was uh, slanderous. And what Grant's referring to is in our Cavalcade episode, we invited on Oz and myself, Joey R. and Oz reviewed the rankings, yeah. basically. We, at the end of he the Cavalcade episode, his rankings. Oz, yeah, is... Oz gave his rankings and then we kind of went through the others. And, and yeah, Grant, Grant had to sit on the sidelines a little bit and hear, uh, hear some criticism of his criticism. Well, I, I mean, his and Oz came after me after my Shakespeare in Love ranking. I don't know. It's just <laughs> yeah, you never know. Is there some, some blind sides? Got, got, got some shrapnel that episode. Yeah, and I'm interested to see what's going to happen here with Oliver and if it's clear we're going to get along or not. Also want to say that we're going to be talking about two other Oliver Twist entities here. We all watched David Lean's Oliver Twist from 1948. Yeah. Chris, you were super excited for that one. So when Kieran asks you to watch a movie, generally speaking, you watch the movie and then you move on. No, I had to watch three movies, none of which I wanted to watch. I was I was furious. I was absolutely furious. The third movie Chris is referring to, of course, is Oliver and Company. Right. Which is the animated Disney the, classic. The, well, I think the, the much often forgot Disney movie. I, forgot, I, I didn't know it was Disney. I forgot yeah. it was on, when you told me it was on Disney Plus. I'm like, oh, okay, great. Yeah, it's, I, I thought it was like some like random animation company. It's that weird film that's kind of stuck in between two eras of Disney. The the 80s, which is really no bueno in the world of Disney. That's kind yeah, of like the absolutely. dead Disney era yeah. where they were yeah. they were falling apart. And then it's the last movie right before Little Mermaid, which, which is brings them back the to Renaissance. Yeah, yeah so the, uh, or their I think their third Renaissance at, at that point. They've kind of always yeah. had up and ups and downs. Sure. It's kind of funny to think about how big of an empire they are now that they even had any... I know that they were like, doubt. yes, scrap, scrapping. Yeah. yeah, and this is a, a good time to announce, too. We've done a few tournaments in the past, social media tournaments, yep. where we all pick movies and then pin them up against each other in a World Cup-style tournament. And our next one will be coming up, and it's going to be on this topic that we just discussed. Not Oliver Twist adaptations, <laughs> I promise. All, the, all Dickens movies. <laughs> yeah, the Dickens tournament. <laughs> no, it will be uh, animated films, so... Animated feature films, Best Picture casts co-host, each pick movies. Yep. The movies will be done on the criteria of each person picking a Disney classic. A pre-90s Disney classic right. will be the first one. The second one is a Pixar movie. Right. And then the third one is a wild card. It can be anything. anything so it doesn't have to be Disney related. It doesn't have to be children's. It can just has to be fully animated. Right. We're going to be revealing those picks in... The upcoming episodes. This is kind of our first time to get it out there to the world. I'm excited. This should be a good one. I'm really looking forward to that. I have I have a two time crown defense, <laughs> undefeated. Undefeated. I I don't think Dean Cun Dean Cundy is my recipe for success. That was the common denominator. Yeah. I don't think Dean Cundy was a cinematographer in any animated movies. We'll have to look. We'll have, have to find out because no matter what, I have to pick it. I just had to ride that horse. Yeah, so we're going to talk Oliver first, and we'll talk Oliver and company at the end. So the movie we are talking about today is Oliver. But before we do so, I did want to remind everyone that we just celebrated our one-year anniversary. One year of Best Picture cast. It's been a fun run, and both of you guys are have been a big part of it. Mm -hmm. Chris, you were on episode three yes. to start things off, and Grant, you were on episode four. So right. you were... One of the four original co-hosts. I did want to talk to you a little bit about, the, briefly, about the last year. Chris, I'll start with you. 
in the past year, the episodes you've been on, what's an episode that kind of sticks out to you? Well, I had a couple. I mean, I, I, I'm going to name two quickly. You know, obviously the, the first one I did was Rain Man with you. And that was just you and I. That was back when we did the two-person cast. And that was fun just because it was the first time. I was nervous. You know, it was it was a lot. You know, it was a lot to... to I, I felt a lot of pressure to do the research. And, and it was a good experience. And But the one that really sticks out is the one... I think, Grant, you were there too uh, when we did the... The Gangs of Goodfellas defense. That, yeah. that was a really fun one. Oh, yeah. was, there was a lot of us. It was it was unruly, and, uh, <laughs> and there was just it was a really funny episode. You know. Yeah, I think it like to that point we'd all been very buttoned down. Yeah, and it was everyone's first episode up until that point. I think maybe Grant, you had a second one before that. But this was really just the first time it was just a, a, a reckless roundtable. It was. And we're, <laughs> like, that was you know, that was that was the first four man episode. And it, it, was, it was it was madness. <laughs> It, it devolved so quickly. It did, but it was it was it was so much fun. It was so though. much fun. And that, that was that might have been know. the most fun I've had recording an episode. It's, that was, it wasn't. That was the, I'll, I'll say too, it was kind of the first time where we turned things back around to what we had been saying to, where we were addressing issues that we had talked about in previous podcasts. Yeah, Every right. podcast had kind of been about the movie, so this was we did a Broadway melody, which is widely considered one of the worst. So we just did kind of really just a half hour on that and moved yeah, on to yeah. Artie's disdain for Goodfellas and... And Grant and I defended it. Yeah, defending right, it, yeah. and it kind of turned into a little bit of a, a trial there. And then Gangs of New York, too. So right. it was... And then that's also when we all released our sub-50s for the first time. Yeah. yeah. Which was also really fun. Before we knew it was going to be a tournament. Yes. Yeah, and then it kind of... And it, then it kind of snowballed into something greater. Yeah. And yeah. we will be doing the sub-50s again. This summer, mm -hmm. so we're gonna we're gonna have our, our second annual sub fifty Rotten think, Tomatoes sub fifty. Karen, what do you think? Uh, do you think it's gonna be it's gonna have a different look this time because we know that it's gonna be put against others? Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be more competitive. I yeah. think where it's less you're not just what, picking movies now you're kind of picking movies to win. Exactly, you won't see Battleship <laughs> right, or Speed Two in there. And we're gonna we're gonna discount anything that was picked for the first tournament. So it'll be a oh, new. Sure. Yeah. group of movies and we'll probably kind of do it in a draft style yeah that'd be fun. so it'll be less of just whoever gets to go first gets to pick whatever they want right. first so it'll help the competitive edge a bit grant so in the last year what episodes stuck out to you um well the the gangs of good fellows obviously the the rebecca episode i thought was was really great this was um the first three man episode and it was the first time where i saw a movie that i never heard about and i watched it and i loved it that didn't have you know i've seen crash and I, you know i didn't love that movie so this one was a really pleasant surprise and that's this continues to happen throughout the uh throughout the show so it the fact that that was the first one, I thought it was pretty, uh, stands out to me. Tonight, we'll see how buttoned down we stay as we go for this one. It is <clears throat> 1968's Oliver. I want to start straight out by asking you guys, Oliver, is this is this the first time you guys saw this movie? Yes. Yes. Okay, so both of you is the first you. So I'll start with you, Chris. What was your knowledge of Oliver Twist coming into this? Just like, you, obviously you've heard that before. Yeah. But what did you know about Oliver Twist, the entity? Forget yeah. about this movie. Very minimal. I knew it was Charles Dickens, and I knew it was about a, a, a an orphan. That's And I, and I knew the, the classic line. The please. Please, yeah. sir, can I have some yeah. more? That, that is literally all, all I knew. Okay. And Grant, how about you? Same exact thing. Mm -hmm. It was never introduced to me or... Never really sought it out or anything like that. Yeah, okay, interesting. So for me, this one, this is a movie that was on when I was younger all the time. 
Like as a little kid, this was on. This is no of all the only Best Picture winner that I knew of before I was into watching movies. Like this was just on all the time. Hmm, really? So yeah, it was one. Well, I grew it was like, like your parents. Yeah, my mom. Or, okay. Yeah, my mom would always put it on, and I I guess my mom's high school had done a like a high school production. Yeah. As a little kid, and saw it there for that. So maybe that came first. Maybe that's, I don't okay. know. It was the chicken well, for you? Were your parents into like playing musical, like playing uh, songs for musicals? In the house? Um, there was definitely always music in the house. So right. I think that, I don't know if maybe that, I, I don't really have any other attachment to any other early musicals. So I don't okay. know why this one specifically. Yeah, my mom being a teacher, I think was probably involved with the oh, play. Sure. Just going, it's, a, it's an interesting thing as a little kid to see that done on a smaller scale. It's yeah. not like going to a Broadway thing. Yeah. I, I never went to, I, I remember my grandmother took me to like the Nutcracker when I was a kid. Yeah. But that was it. And then until I was an adult, I... I I went to my first Broadway show in like my late twenties, you know. Wow. So I yeah, I wasn't exposed to that stuff at all, which is probably why I feel the way I do about musicals. Yeah, yeah. yeah and then you know, as a kid also Radio City Music Hall was something we go to sure. Broadway a mm -hmm. lot too. So it's funny how when you're little those images kind of stick with you. Oh sure. Like, I remember yeah. seeing cats as a kid and just oh, being wow. mortified. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like they, like they, why are they coming off the stage? Why are they coming up to me? Like they yeah, come no. up to you in the aisles and it, stuff. It's, you know? it's, it's absolutely that's why, horrific. That's, that's, yeah, why, that's I mean, why I don't like cats. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I can never understand that people are obsessed with that. Like no, I, I, I don't, I don't it. understand it. And the music yeah. is so weird. It, and I'm not saying it's not, it's just that specific show. I, yeah. I, I've seen a lot of Broadway shows in my adulthood and like them, almost all of them. Yeah. But that one is, not for me. Oh, it's yeah. so strange. Yeah. It's so strange. Very odd. Yeah. And I always was just, stay on stage, please. I'm, I'm comfortable in my seat. Don't oh, come I, up to I, me. I don't, I don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't need cats coming up to me here. I don't need Let's... Mr. Mistopheles getting in my grill. <laughs> I don't need it. So, yeah. So I just have very early memories of, of this movie. And I watched it again while I was doing this Best Picture run. Yeah. As was... a post-college adult. You know, I was probably 25 or okay. so. You know, it's a couple years after college. Just a nostalgic, nostalgic run through. Thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just liked it. Just went with it. This was my first time viewing it with a critical eye. Yeah. You know, and... and Really taking it as, all right, this one best picture, let's get into where and why yeah. and how. Sure. Of course, this movie is going to be tied to the movies it came out with the year that it came out. And we say in the intro, as you've, you've heard it, if you've listened to this before, not a who should have won podcast. So we're going to really just look at Oliver as Oliver. And we'll talk 2001 at the end of this one because that's, yeah. it's just will forever be tied to that in this, right. in this year. Grant, I guess I'll start with you. What were your initial takes here of Oliver? Well, I watched it twice. Second time, I liked it more. But let me, I'm just going to stop you real yeah, quick. My, my first, which, you, which you watched Oliver Twist first? I watched Oliver Twist first. The David Lean Oliver right. Twist. And then you watched the musical. Chris, you were the other way around, right? Yeah. You I watched the musical I, first. I watched the musical first. Okay. Uh, anybody who listens to any, all of our episodes, any of them that I'm on, know that I do not like old movies, generally speaking. And a 1933 movie, for, I mean, I put it off till absolutely the last second. Grant, sorry. So you what you watched the David Lean first? Yeah, I, I try to I try to watch the movie that we're going to deep dive into as close to the podcast record date as possible. But I also wanted to get a context of like when this movie came out in nineteen sixty eight. People have already seen the one from the forties, mm -hmm. so I would like to get that context too. And plus, I feel like if I watched it first, I'd have a better grasp of what the story is because musicals take shortcuts with stories. Right. So I like to get a bigger picture of what the movie was, the story was. Yeah, so the uh, the David Lean, Oliver Twist, I thought was uh, fantastic. I thought it was really well done. So much darker than I anticipated it being. For, yeah. You know, because you think it's about an orphan, 
and you, you're like, oh, there's a musical made out of it. <laughs> you're like, oh, well, maybe it's just like kind of a romp kind of thing, which is like a little dark undertones, but like it's really dark. Like, yeah, the third act is really dark. It's a gothic classic. I yeah. mean, it it really is. And this was my first time watching the David Lean version yeah. too, and it was it was an experience. Now we're learning too, Chris. Chris, you watched. Not the David Lean version, but the original adaptation, the 1933. I did not misspeak. That's what you watched. The so. William Cohen uh, version, 1933. Uh, it was a rough one for me. <laughs> Just do it yourself. No, no wonder you were cursing me so hard. <laughs> it, it was. Uh, it was visually. It was. It was tough because it was very black and white, and I mean, some of the scenes were so dark you could barely see. Hard to hear what they were saying. You know, it, yeah. it's it's early early Hollywood there, so it was tough. Wow. Yeah, so we have an extra pers perspective on an extra adaptation then, too. So that would have been the first sound adaptation. There yes. were a few silent ones yeah, that they yeah. made. It, it did stay pretty true to, you know, the story. I mean, more or less, it was yeah. it was what you'd expect, you know. Now, having seen Oliver and, and knowing the story, it yeah. pretty much... No, I, I, I do have a question. Um, how, what was, how was Fagin portrayed? Was he, was he more villainous or was he kind of like a more lighthearted? He wasn't as jolly as the one in, okay. in Oliver, but he does look very, very similar. Like it, it definitely seems like the Ron Moody version yeah. took, took from that one. Okay. It, they, they almost look the same. Yeah. The look of, the look of Fagin in the David Lean version is very problematic with a large prosthetic nose. Oh, yeah. Um, he got really, it, yeah, it's really anti-Semitic. Yeah, he got some heat yeah. for the, for the uh, just the the visuals of it. Sir Alec Guinness plays yeah plays Obi Wan yeah Fagin in that one, and he got some heat. And I think that might have been relative to why it didn't get any Oscar love too. Maybe because yeah. you got to remember too, this is like right around when Gentleman's Agreement had just yeah. come out. So I mean, there was, was just uh, just after World War Two McCarthyism and, and Red Scare yeah. stuff. It's all everything is it's very all much tied on the together. Yeah. yeah, so. I mean, Lean says he really was just trying to have it be as accurate to the novel as possible. Well, and... we, we, can, we can get into that, too. <laughs> and Grant, is, uh, you did a little bit of the book on tape here for this Yeah, I, I, did, I did the um, audio book. I listened to as much of it as I could um, before the episode. They don't refer to Fagin as Fagin a lot. They refer to him as the Jew. And <laughs> yeah. is, every, yes. time I, every time I hear it, I'm like, ooh. Yeah. Not as uh, woke in 1833 as I guess uh, they not. could have been. I guess not. I mean, this story in general is not woke in any way. I mean, it just isn't. <laughs> it's, a, like, it's, a, it's hard living. Yeah. It's it hard, is hard living. living. Let's get to the uh, the musical end of things. What were your initial reactions to Oliver 1968? In a word, unremarkable. They did certain things well, but overall, I was just... Like, I didn't think the music was that great. The dancing wasn't that great. I feel like it took a lot from the story. Uh, the acting was... Some of the acting was really great. Some of the acting was terrible. Um, but overall, unremarkable is, is the word I would use to describe it. Cool. And we're going to go through everything. So we'll, we'll kind of get them, get them beat by beat as we go. Yeah. But Chris, what were your initial reactions there to, uh, to Oliver here? As shocked as, as you all and I am, I completely disagree with Grant wow. in every wow. way. I, I actually really enjoyed it. And I thought the music was fantastic. And the dancing, I thought it was brilliant. Like, yeah. I, 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 loved, I loved, that was one of my favorite stuff, was the, the choreographed uh, dancing and singing. There's a lot of kids in that. To choreograph something like that with all those little pains in the neck, you know? Like, yeah. I have kids. They're a pain in the ass. Like, uh, they're, they're a nightmare, you know? Like, I can't get my kid to, you know, put her clothes on half the time. Never mind choreograph dance numbers. And, yeah. You know, it, it, I, I actually... Thought it was very enjoyable, believe it or not. It, so this one, 
I was, now that's the twist. Yeah, there's the twist. There's <laughs> your <laughs> twist. This one for me, I was a little nervous about coming in because, again, I have most of the impressions from watching it yeah. as a youth. And then when I watched it as an adult, I was kind of just running through the nostalgia a little bit. So I was a little nervous here. And I think when I told you guys that we're doing this one, you know, neither of you reacted well, first of all. <laughs> um, I This time around, I really, really enjoyed it. I, I was just very much taken aback by a lot of it. And we'll go through it all, but I, I thought the presentation of it was really enjoyable. It's very fun. Like, it, it, made me, it made me feel good. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited to get into the, uh, the nuts and bolts with it with you guys. And before we do our deep dive, what are we drinking here today? Chris, would you like to go first? I would because I put a, a ton of effort into this. All right. I love it. I went to two different places to find exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> I love this. I love that dedication. I am drinking uh, a, a beer from a brewery called Fuller's, which is from London. And I'm drinking the London Porter currently. And if you know anything about uh, what what the term porter means, it actually says it right in the bottle. London Porter takes its name from the porters who carried goods around the streets of London in the 18th century, hmm. which is, there's it's depicted in this movie. There's a scene where people are carrying goods around the streets sure, and selling yeah. them. That's what I'm drinking. Very cool. Love it. That's great. Grant, what do you have here this evening? Um, well, I got a hookup from a, uh, a listener, Dan, who lives down in North Carolina. Wow. And uh, he got me something from uh, the Raleigh Brewing Company. And it's the uh, Coffee Hidden Pipe Porter. Because I'm sticking with the theme of Chris here with the porters and the old English. And So I wasn't aware of we're getting free goods from listeners. I didn't know hey, this was a yeah, thing. Well, you know, you know, it, 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 uh, I, it is what it is. You do, you do get some. I'm, I'm a big beer guy here. Uh, if anybody <laughs> else uh, wants to send some beer. P.O. You know? Box. Uh... <laughs> and now I think that that is a... Second appearance for Rally Brewing Company on here. Artie, is that right? Artie B had one. He got for Christmas. He got like a bunch of beers from around the country, and I think okay. Rally Brewing Company was one of them. So, okay, very, cool. very excited. We That's love. Uh, cool. I, I love Raleigh. It's a great city. I don't know if you've ever been I've there. I've never been. I have. Yeah, awesome, awesome yeah. area. Big, I love the Carolinas. Big fan. Big fan. So today I, I kept it easy. It's in season. It's one of my favorite seasonal beers, and it's Sam Adams Cold Snap. They're uh, white ale. I'm not a huge Sam Adams brewery fan. Okay. I know Chris usually scoffs at macro breweries like that, but I do. You know, I do have a soft spot for Sam Adams. It's from New England, where I'm from, and they do some good stuff. So, are we ready? Here is the time. We still haven't gotten to that part yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to dive here. Are we okay. any any last thoughts here before we go? Let's do it. No, I'm ready. Okay, the year, it's 1968. The 46th U.S. presidential election saw Richard Nixon defeat incumbent Vice President Hubert Humphrey and American independent candidate George Wallace. The reason why I bring up the third candidate is Wallace, the Alabama native, actually won five states in the election, which is wild to think about in modern times. George Wallace won Georgia, Mississippi, Arkansas, Louisiana, and his sweet home of Alabama. Nixon's presidency would spawn several movies, including Oscar-nominated films, All the President's Men, Chris, one of your favorites, Frost Nixon. Love that movie. And Nixon with Sir Anthony Hopkins. Nixon's likeness and the Watergate scandal were also featured in 1994's Best Picture winner, Forrest Gump. The World Series, the Detroit Tigers defeat the St. Louis Cardinals in seven games to win their third of their four World Series. Coincidentally enough, we have now covered all four of the Detroit Tigers World Series championship wins amongst their 120 years of existence, and we've done it all in Best Picture Cast Season 2, believe it or not. Outstanding. It's a very Random big, thing. That's a, that's a very <laughs> solid baseball fact. Yeah. 
<laughs> we discussed their other wins in the Mutiny and the Bounty, Lost Weekend, and Amadeus episodes, respectively. The series MVP for the Tigers in 1968 was Mickey Lolich, and the team was managed by Mayo Smith. So, a couple questions here. So, Mayo Smith, my first initial question is, gentlemen, have you ever met anyone named Mayo before? No, thank no. goodness. No. no. Okay, I have not either, and that is his name, Mayo Smith. Did he invent the clinic? <laughs> is, it, is, this short, is this short for anything? It's his, it's his middle name. Oh. Okay. And Grant, we've talked about sauces in length before on yeah. our Rebecca episode. Yes, we have. In the world of sauces, where does mayo, where do you stand on mayo? <laughs> um, I usually don't do mayo by itself. I'll have mayo with something else. Like mayo with ketchup is gotcha. a pretty good combo. A little like a mix situation. A little, a little mix situation. Straight mayo is something that I uh, don't usually do. Chris, mayo, what's your relationship with mayo? Um, uh, you know, <laughs> sparingly. I don't use it often. When I do, I use it you Just a little, a little pinch. A little dab. Mayo to me is something I've hated my whole life. Yeah. But I've, as an adult, I've kind of, I like it in certain places. Like not a, a little bit of... on a sandwich here, a little bit... Mixed in. Not a big fan of white foods. The Billboard number one song of the year is a big one. I don't think there's anyone who doesn't know this one. It's Hey Jude by the Beatles. Uh, Probably the Beatles' biggest song. Is that fair to say? As far as like hits go? It's up there. Right now now, Artie's punching the air. Yeah, not my favorite Beatles song. I'll say that. I Uh, like it. I'm not a giant Beatles fan, uh, but that is one I like. I love the Beatles, but yeah, yeah, for me, Hey Jude is not the first place I'd go. Uh, other big, big bangers that year. Sitting on the Dock of the Bay by Otis Redding. I uh, love Otis Redding. Sunshine of Your Love by Cream. Oh, a lot of good ones. Heard It Through the Grapevine by Marvin Gaye. I'll take all of those. It's in the late 60s, man. Yeah. yeah. And some, some bangers. And Mrs. Robinson by Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah, okay. And when that, of course, I was introduced in Best Picture nominee from the previous year, The Graduate. Yeah, those are all great, man. Yeah. Those, I like all those songs. So the Best Picture winner in 1968 is Oliver, with an exclamation point. Yeah, what's up with the exclamation point? It's the name of the song, the, the second song. Is, yes, Oliver. 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 Uh, we had, to put, that, we had to put that in the title, point. that was important. Well, Oliver is directed by Carol Reed and produced by John Wolfe. It's adapted from stage to film from a British musical of the same name, with the exclamation point in place as well. So oh. that's the... Yeah. <laughs> It is Oliver with an exclamation point. That play was written and composed by Lionel Bart. The musical was based on the novel Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens, as we discussed. The screenplay of the movie was done by Vernon Harris. Music and lyrics by Lionel Bart. Cinematography by Oswald Morris. And the choreography was done by Anna White. The movie is starring Mark Lester, Ron Moody, Jack Wilde, Shawnee Wallace, Harry Saccombe, Hugh Griffith, and Oliver Reed. It was nominated for 11 Oscars. It was the winner of five in addition to an honorary award that it received that year, too. It won for Best Picture. It won for Best Director, Cal Reed. It won Best Art Direction, Set Direction. It won Best Sound. It won Best Music for Score of a Musical Picture. And the honorary award went to Anna White for Outstanding Achievement in Choreography. The awards that it was nominated for but did not win were Best Lead Actor, Ron Moody, Best Supporting Actor, Jack Wilde, Best Adapted Screenplay, Vernon Harris, Best Cinematography, Oswald Morris, also Best Costume Design, and Best Film Editing. A mouthful. Yeah. Yeah. Oliver, with an exclamation point, boys. Oliver! Uh, this was <laughs> this was kind of like a little bit of a surprise winner, I think, that year. Listen, this is it was a hit of a British play. 
in the early 60s that yeah. they made into a Hollywood production. And here it is at the end of the 60s, right in the thick of the British invasion. And the counterculture movement as well. So that's interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting time for this movie to come out. Yeah, and it just was, it was a hit. It made a ton of money. It made about three times its budget. And it's a Best Picture winner that hasn't necessarily aged great by victory because it was up the same year as 2001 A Space Odyssey. Listen, I, I want to get this out of the out of the way because as we say it's not a who should have won podcast i don't think anyone's sitting here trying to say that oliver is a better film than 2001 a space odyssey i don't think that's a common argument that anyone's going to have in 2021 yeah. what we're doing here is we're talking about oliver and we're talking about it in context of how it should be looked at when you're judging a film that should be up for best picture whatever it's up against the side for me i i look at this production, and when I say production, I mean it in every sense of the words, the set designs, the songs, yeah. the choreography, everything they did, everything they put out there. It's and a spectacle. It's a spectacle, yeah. yeah. And if we compare it to what came before it in that David Lean yeah. adaptation, which I love too, but for opposite reasons, to me, the, the David Lean one, dark, moody, yeah. gothic, beautiful in a very ugly way sure whereas this one is just colorful and vivacious and and really just pops on screen yeah and makes you smile where the other one kind of makes you <laughs> you stand back oh and... yeah i think there's an important distinction between there, there's there's two audiences in 1968 there's the culture family is 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 really really important uh this is a family friendly movie lots of color lots of songs lots of dancing then there's the counterculture which I think the Kubrick stuff really mm -hmm. appeals to. So there's two different Americas in 1968, and I think this, these two movies are reaching different audiences. So it doesn't surprise me that the Academy, which is generally a pretty conservative uh, entity, yeah. would choose a, a movie like Oliver over a movie like uh, 2001. You know? Yeah, sure. 2001 was very groundbreaking. Didn't really see anything like that in terms of space and how right. it was depicted and everything like that. And Oliver is a fun... Family-friendly. Family-friendly romp. Yeah. Yeah, and is G-rated. It's the only G-rated yeah. Best Picture winner. Yeah. It's... It was the first year of the ratings, too, believe it or not. 1968. Yes. Yeah, so it was... I think they've now retrospectively gone back and rated some of the older sure. winners G. But it was the first one to be rated G to win and the last one to be rated G okay. to win. It, with the Kubrick stuff, too, I think that 2001 A Space Odyssey... And when we talk with the other nominees, we'll go into a little further length. I think very much ahead of its time to the point where they weren't almost weren't ready for it. That, that's exactly yeah, what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. yeah, and it was nominated for director, but it wasn't nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think sometimes with these, we talked about last week with Toy Story, and while Toy Story got an honorary award in 95 with Braveheart, I don't think that they were ready for what that movie was going to become and, right. and the, the well, revolution would follow afterwards. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of my Star Wars argument, how Star Wars was beaten by Annie Hall. Mm -hmm. And it's just because you don't really know the ramifications that Star Wars had on, on film. Culture. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Or even, yeah. even even Jaws for that aspect. Yeah, like they Star Wars and Jaws changed the way movies were made, movies yeah. were looked at. But, you know, it's, it's you can't... It's easy in, it's it's easy easy in, hindsight. in hindsight. It's yeah. incredibly easy. It's kind of like an interesting thing to think of that there's only one G-rated Best Picture winner. Yeah. yeah. Got me looking into what are the top G-rated movies of all time. Uh, and, and I kind of was doing a little searching. The ones that popped up, non-animated. Okay. Ones that popped up. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory was one that popped up. Babe, Sound, Sound of Music? 
Um, Sound of Music was another one that okay. popped up. Babe, which we covered right. briefly last week because yeah. it was a Best Picture nominee, was up there. Uh, also, the Muppet movie was another one okay. that kind of popped up. Chinatown wasn't G? Or was no, <laughs> no, no. The animated version was. <laughs> I mean, th- 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 those ratings are really interesting. I mean, sometimes I'll, p- I'll put on a movie for my daughter who's five. Some things are PG, and I'm like, this is this is PG. Yeah. They, they, don't, they don't they don't throw a G very lightly. It has to be really yeah. very appropriate for yeah. any age. You know. Sure. This G-rated film, they really started hot. They start with the big scene. The uh, police are going to have some more. Have some more. And yeah. in the the lean version, we got. Oliver's. That was like the end of the first act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we got Oliver's mom, pregnant mother, kind of going through the road. I love the intro. Oh to that. God, it was so great. Just struggling in the rain, struggling to get you know indoors help, trying to get help. Yeah, and just a beautiful yeah. restoration of oh the two, God, and, yeah. and yeah, the, the silvery, shadowy mm-hmm. colors on there. Uh, awesome stuff. I get why they started hot in, in Oliver 68. Yeah, they cut that out completely. Guess, yeah, right? and yeah. A- apparently the mom was cast, so I think there was, I don't know. Oh, really? It's not known as to whether it was actually filmed or not. My guess is it probably wasn't even filmed. Right. Yeah. It's probably just cut. So the 1933 uh, version doesn't show what you guys talked about. It, it just shows the mother has given birth okay. is, and then just okay. passes away yeah. in, in bed. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, it, so they start In the that. workhouse, though. She makes it yeah, the yeah. workhouse. Has the baby and then she's gone. Yeah, okay. so that's kind of how the book starts, I believe. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Where this one, it kind of showed her struggling through the rain and, and climbing up the oh, hill of the okay. house, and you got to see her connection with the child that moment before she dies. Right. So you have three different versions, basically three different versions of the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would imagine that in 1933, there are probably some limitations as to what that's they right. did. It's fine that they cut it out of the 1968 version because it's really not necessary. You understand he's a he's an orphan. I mean, I mean. You don't yeah, really, I mean, yeah. it, it, tie, it ties into the stuff at the end with the with the uncle and all that stuff. They but, I mean, but that, yeah, though. I mean, it, it's not necessary, and I feel like kind of a downer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is not purposely a downer movie. Yeah. There's a lot of things that I I have <laughs> to talk about <laughs> why it's a downer, but I don't think they meant. There, it to look, be a there's plenty. There's plenty, of, and that's the thing too. Like for this movie that's rated G, there's still a lot of dark things in it. This. Bill Sykes' character. Yeah, played by Oliver Reed from yeah. uh, Gladiator fame. Oh, is that right? The slave owner who okay. gets... who oh, okay. Who gets... Uh, 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 Proxima. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Proxima. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he looks like... He looks like... Uh, in, in this movie, he looks like Stephen King in Creepshow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he has like the, the, the meteor lands and all the green flags. Yeah, I, love, yeah, I yeah. love that. That's what he looks I like. I love that movie. I love that. <laughs> Oliver Reed is the nephew of director... Carol Reed. Oh, no kidding. And apparently had to really push hard and petition to get that role. He did a great not, job. I really thought he, he was menacing and, and yeah. a great... It's, it's, it's funny seeing seeing a sociopathic criminal killer in this movie is like, like Mr. Blonde and Annie or something <laughs> like that. It's just... And the, it's, and, but, it, but it works somehow. And what I loved about it, too, is he's the one character who has... No interest in any of the songs or tomfoolery that's going on around that him. He, perfect, that makes he doesn't sense, sing. Though. He doesn't smile. He, he doesn't seem to notice half the time. <laughs> I think. I think he was supposed to have songs, and they cut it. And it makes perfect sense. And I'm glad too. Yeah, yeah. Like, it would make sense. It's it's good that he's on the outside yeah. of yep. it. Yeah, it, it would be like if we inserted Chris G into a musical. Like he would. Be, <laughs> is I, everyone singing around? Me? I'd be. I'd be just angry <laughs> in the corner. Yeah. Doing... Uh, I do. I do. There's often times where Nancy is singing around him, and I, if it were me, I'd just be like, "Can you get the hell away from me?" You know, like, "What are you doing near my? You're my personal space. Go away." Singing. I, I, I actually years and years ago, I worked in a in a restaurant, and uh, there was a a guy named Tony that used to sing 
to customers. He'd just go around the tables and uh, ah, start no. singing. Oh, and, yeah. and literally customers would be like, can you please leave us alone? Yeah, no, like, no, I don't I, want I, that. I, I wanted to choke him. And that's how I felt in this, in this movie. It's like, can I, you get away from me? I like yours too, where there's, didn't you work once with a karaoke bartender? Oh my God, no, no. But I didn't work with that person, but I, yes, I know all about them. Oh my God. No, that's, karaoke bartender. So they sing while worse? they're serving your drinks, like over the PA. No, ding. <laughs> When you guys are seeing this for the first time, were you a little surprised that it starts right hot with I, the main scene? I was, and I was a little concerned that it was going to be all, only singing. Cause, cause in the, oh, they oh, totally teased that. They I, did, I, yeah. and it really scared me. <laughs> <laughs> I was really like, afraid. This I was is like, two hours? I was like, oh no, are they going to sing every word of this it's, movie? Well, well you, got, you got Bumble just kind of takes it upon himself to sing his lines. Is it what just it is. like singing dialogue. Yeah, and, and I don't know if you guys are... are, are Grant, you're a South Park guy. It's yeah. the, the Thanksgiving special where they put on Helen Keller, the musical. Yes, yes. And the director <laughs> in the episode just sings everything. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. What are we going to do? Oh we God. need to find a way to uh, get yeah. to this. Yeah. It's good. That's Bumble in this. So, yeah. And when I was watching, I'm like, oh, man, they're going to – they might shut it dude, off. Dude, I, <laughs> I might just shut my it internal off. dialogue was, oh, no. Like, is this what the whole movie's going to be? I, I was, I was yeah, actually, like, afraid. I also pictured Artie B watching this and – Instantly having that thought and being like, okay, I'm not going to do I'm this. I'm not going to watch this. I mean, if there's anything iconic about this movie, it's that scene. Yes. The, more. Please, sir. More. Now, I, my, here's my question. So they draw straws. H- have they tried this before? I don't know what the purpose is, is of it. Yeah, they want more. So they think if the if the kid is going to get more, then they all get more? Or I, I don't, because they do this in the David Lean one, too. Mm-hmm. I guess they just tr- to try it out and see what happens. I like how they all turn on him, too. You yeah, know, like, yeah. oh, 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 what a jerk. Ki- it's like, well, what if you drew the straw, these, you little these asshole? Kids, these kids are not loyal. <laughs> no. No, there's no loyalty in the orphanage, man. The choreography in this is, in- I thought it was incredible. I really did. Like, uh, I, dancing, it was wild. I think the whole movie is choreographed. The way, the movement yeah, yeah, have every the way everybody moves in this movie is in and out of each other. It's you know. there's there's a scene where they're going to get Mr. Bumble because Oliver has started a fight and and they run through the snow to get him and they run back to the Undertaker spot and how they're ch- how how they're running with each other. It's almost like a chase and a dance at the same time. Oh, I I kind of hated that. Oh well, yeah, wow. <laughs> I, I hate it when he's see, like he's like dancing. I in the liked snow it. And yeah, the I scrambling and I thought I'm scrambling in rhythm. Like I don't know. It just it almost to me because I know it's, it's based on like um, a musical production, a stage production. Mm-hmm. But just some of it just seemed like someone was just like, oh, I guess they would do this in a musical. Let's just do that. Yeah, and wow. it almost almost. To me, felt like when Charlie Day, when Charlie directed the Nightman, yeah, play, like almost Night felt, like, yeah, it almost felt like that in a way where he had no idea what he was doing. It's like, yeah, I'll just do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, to, I thought the, I, I mean, thought the Nightman like, cometh was brilliant myself. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> but we need more cat eyes in Oliver. The you, know, you talk about the choreograph in the beginning. I didn't seem very clever to me. Just felt like this was like okay, well, this is. What we would do, and just if almost sometimes just felt like a first draft of it. Yeah, I think but there's. I'm, a, trying, I'm trying not to hold that against the the movie because it probably I, took a lot of it from the play. Think about how hard it would be to get seventy eight year olds oh, to right. do yeah. all of that. Like I was like, whoa! Like, yeah. how do yeah. you do this? Like, that's incredible. It, I think that there's an element of having a buy in a little bit too, where you're, and that's and that's and that's that's a that's a that's a grand problem. Yeah, and if you're musicals. standing back and saying, yeah. I'm, "I'm not into this this whole musical yeah. thing," I think there's a production to all this, and and no, there's going to be difference. 
There's going to be differences in how people move I'm not, in Oliver as how well, they move in Manchester by the city. Well, I'm not, you know? <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, not I'm, not, I'm not criticizing because I understand that there is an internal logic in musicals that you have to accept. And I accept that stuff. Everyone knowing the choreography and stuff. My, 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 my gripe is with the choreography itself on some of these numbers didn't seem that impressive. Yeah, you thought it was a little over the top. Um, over the top or obvious. Yeah, okay. So now, Chris, you brought up with the, the kids kind of all moving in unison and getting them to yeah. to go. And there was something, I think something like 75 extras or something. As yeah, it seems I mean, substantial. I mean, yeah, I mean, it did, listen, what the, choreo- what the choreographer was able to do was very impressive. Yeah. And by the way, I, I, I wanted to mention too, the look of the movie itself, the colors are phenomenal. The, really the color saturation is great for the, 1968. The, like, the set design is fucking yeah, great. incredible. The set design is unbelievable. It, it's visually yeah. really great. I, I was surprised how good my, it looked. My favorite part of the movie was the set design and yeah. how just these sets were gigantic and everything was like usable and yeah. And the and filming livable. itself, yeah. it just looks. It's a good looking movie. The camera moved really well in the space provided. Yeah, yeah. I was really impressed, yeah, especially in uh, Fagin's hideout with moving up and down. Around the beams and things like yeah. that. I, there was some. There was, listen, there. I'm a little hard on this movie, but there are some elements of it that I, I enjoyed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Chris, to your point, so they had all of these. It's uh, there were 84 boys, 84 extras. Wow. wow. That they were responsible for, and they were filming throughout the summer. Child Protective Services, <laughs> kind of, you know, came in and and were like, you know, hey, you know, are you exploiting? Are you exploiting these these kids? You know, they want to make sure the conditions That's... are right. And the yeah. directors and people in cinema go. Are you, who's looking out for our conditions? We have to watch 84 boys running around. They're, they're ma- maniacs and menaces. Yeah, like, we're, exactly. we're the ones at harm here. The, the irony is not lost on me that <laughs> in the production of Oliver Twist, we have CPS coming in <laughs> worrying about the children's safety. Well, <laughs> Meanwhile, these kids are like putting their hands in real life, putting their hands in like modern complex machines and risking limbs. Grant, I'll be honest with you. Starting, I started to watch the movie and, you know, again, I, di- I told you, I didn't really know the story at all. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, there's there's an awful lot of, like, child labor going on and and, oh, it's and child abuse going on. Endangered and, and, servitude. Yeah. And this, I'm like, this is, there's some alarming things happening within the story. And then I didn't realize there's a whole production side of it that there's they're, they're CP. Specifically, <laughs> there yeah. making sure that the kids aren't being abused. I was like, "Wow, this is yeah art, art imitating life, imitating art is is uh, pretty wild." You know, incredible. What did you guys think of the of Oliver himself, the the lead guy here? Terrible. Okay, I didn't think he was good at all. And well, he didn't even sing. Right, he was lips. He was like somebody else was singing for him. Yeah, his his singing was dubbed, and, which is um, unfortunate. And I, I just I, everything about him, I just didn't like. I thought he was very uncharismatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he it was probably the weakest, the weaker part of the movie, I would say. And, I mean, they cast him amongst five thousand auditions, which is interesting to me. That's that's too um, many. <laughs> that is too many auditions. Yeah, and to listen, get I, I yeah, here's, right? here's my defense of of Mark Lester here, who plays who plays Oliver. I think that the Oliver role in this in this movie, yeah, this entity, is not as important as the title kind of proclaims it to be with its exclamation point. There's a choice made there to have the character playing Oliver be a bit of a of an object. Non-entity. Yeah, yeah be, be, is, if, if we're looking at it in like, like a literary sentence terms, you have your subject and your object. He's kind of the object of the sentence where you have all of the other 
characters who are really churning this plot forward. Yeah, it's it's kind of, I guess it's like Mad Max, especially in Fury Road, where he's not like the main character. He's kind of like the proxy of which the real story happens around him. Yeah, I guess it's exactly. that kind of thing. Exactly. He's, kind of, he's kind of like the one that sets the wheels in motion. I it's, don't know how he's depicted in the 1948 version, but the 1933 version, he's a little bit more sassy and like a, like a little, kind of like a tough little kid. There's, and, there's and elements I, of that in Lean's. He's definitely tougher in Lean's version, yeah. And, and I think they went to a super like sweet mild mannered kid in, in Oliver. Yes. And you could he could have used a little toughness. I mean he yeah. is an orphan after in, all. In the one scene where he has to lash back at the Undertaker. The one is, uh, uh, David Lean's is awesome. Yes. He's when, great in it. He's like yeah. like in the David Lee's version when he texts uh Noah. Yeah. You know the other kid. He's yeah. throwing haymakers. He's like slapping everybody. Yeah, and, and Oliver, it's very mild. I blame a little bit of it on not getting to know the mother a little bit. Because when he insults his mom, right in right. in '68, you haven't seen the mom. No you connection. don't know them. You have yeah. no connection as That's a viewer true. to the mom. So you're seeing, you know, you're seeing Mark Lester. And listen, the kid, the kid needs to go and learn how to throw a working punch here. I mean, he's <laughs> throwing these soft hand. Yeah, but like it makes sense that he would, being that he grew up in a workhouse. I'm sure he had to. Go fist to cuss. That's a few times, my point. Right? Yeah. I think he'd be a little more, like I said, like a little sassier of a kid, like yeah, you know, a little rapscallion. Yeah, so know, that's kind of, a that, of that. that's a moment there where where it hurts a little bit for me. But I'm I'm thinking that they just wanted to get the look. A, a cute kid, yeah. who's just going to kind of be at the center of all of these other class systems fighting with each other and battling yeah. with each other. Yeah. It, I mean, in in an audition of five thousand kids, why would you pick one that's tone deaf? Otherwise, I, I don't think it should be Oliver with an exclamation point. It should be Oliver with a question mark. <laughs> because it's like we don't, we never know where he is at the time. It's just and, Oliver. Also, the voice that they dubbed it doesn't really sound even like a voice that should come out of him. Like, well, it's, it a, a it's a girl. Yeah, it's a girl. Oh, so, there you go. I mean, yeah. Well, so again, it's noticeable. I look into this decision here, and it's, and, and it's dubbed horribly, in my opinion. It is. There, yeah, okay, the, right. lip, the lip sync police are going to be out a little bit here. And I know yeah. you're an ADR, uh, mm-hmm. an ADR guy, too, Grant. You'll always be on that, so. I'm giving it, being from the 60s, I'm giving it a little bit of headway. Yeah, and, yeah. and apparently he had trouble crying, so they had to bring out onions. So, so there's a whole sort of I guess it's before uh, glycerin drops. Huh? 5,000 <laughs> kids they auditioned, and they couldn't find... Yeah. Who were the other 4,099? <laughs> well, were they well, just okay. like bears wearing let, hats? Let me just, I, I want to make this this point just to flip it around on its head then. Did we need a little orphan Annie here? Tomorrow, tomorrow. I mean, we didn't need Oliver no, to be this I, obnoxious I, 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 I singing want, over the top entity. No, but I would want someone that can at least be charismatic and someone you care about. It's, a, I, it's a black mark on the movie that he's lip syncing and using onions to cry. It's, it, it's a black I mark. I think we could have used a little bit more precocious kid. Yeah, there, there, and, and there is... It, you know, Annie is kind of that precocious kid. I, I think it needs a little bit there of is, there is a There's a huge gap gray area between Mark Lester and Annie. Yes. You know, right. there is a, there's a lot of people, there are a lot of people you can choose that are not as sassy as Annie, but a lot more charismatic. Right. There's a, there's a middle ground. Yeah. If, if you knew or you made the decision you're going to dub the singing in anyway, and I liked the choice of him being a soft voiced soprano where it's, it's very, very meek right. and very in the, the background. Right. As opposed to the other characters whose voices are all very much in the yeah. foreground. I liked that choice. And maybe the director just said, hey, you know, 
I'm gonna do that the way I'm gonna do that anyway. It's Just get me important. a kid that looks the part, right? Maybe. And maybe that's what they did with like. So it, it worked for me. Just the like one you, scene, you know, the where is love scene is where he sings down there. Yeah. The, just, just like even like his facial reactions I didn't buy. Yeah, like it was no. everything about him. I just didn't. I was okay with his, with his facial reactions yeah. personally yeah. I, I, in, in that scene. I, I, thought it, I thought it worked with what he was doing. There could have been a better performer there. I, I think it's yeah. hard to not, yeah. to not look at that. But I do, I do defend the fact that he works within what the movie's trying to do. It wasn't revealed till 20 years after the movie came out that he didn't sing his songs. Yeah. So oh, it, was, really? it was believed, on the 20th anniversary, the director admitted it, so it was believed that it was his voice until that point. Vanilli so, did. Yeah, it. Yeah, Millie Vanilli did. Right. Exactly right. The boy for sale scene out in the, in the snow. <laughs> I mean, this is where I... <laughs> we, yeah, Chris, I'm sure you're going to go on this. Oh my, Kieran, I was... There was a lot of talk about buying and selling little boys. I mean, I, I was like, this is alarming. Like... Yeah. This is not I mean, good. This is child slavery we're talking about. Like, yeah. what is anybody... I'm watching it, like, is somebody else profit. seeing what yeah. I'm seeing here? Sign like, of the times. Sign of the times. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping there's an element of fiction. <laughs> I was I there's, I there's, mean, there's literally a quote. I, I've been looking for a little boy. I'm just like, nobody can say that. You can't say that. Yeah. I, I, I think it's pretty accurate. We're selling him off to the undertaker, too. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they went down to the creepy part of the road, I, and this kid, this kid is walking down the road, and and now people are just are bargaining for him through song. You know, like his price keeps that, dropping. And by the third yeah. verse of the song, he's worth nothing. This is a part of musicals that I hate, or is it just like they just have dialogue that's just sung, and they like they they, they go, oh, that's a song. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, know what? It worked. It worked. <laughs> You know, oh, about two and a half. Oh, that's a little expensive. Grant, oh, I don't know. That's not too good. <laughs> Grant, you know what the my my favorite part of that whole thing is? It's I find it hilarious that there's this big production where they're singing every word, everybody's dancing, and then there's a point where the song's over and they just start going about their business again. Like like yeah, like like the song the, never <laughs> happened. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, that's, it, that's, listen, that's the that's the musical logic. We have to we it. have to. Sus- Suspend oh, some no, music because no, I, like, I think listen, it's hilarious. I they all it. they all drew straws to see who would ask. Did they have a a song ready for Jason? And did they have a song ready for Marcus? You know, they just like oh, oh who drew it? Oliver, get the Oliver song out. Get the Oliver. <laughs> Oliver, <laughs> Oliver, <laughs> Philip, oh Philip, what were you thinking, Philip? Yeah. <laughs> so working for the Undertaker, he's got to wear that. It's not a bad gig, right? He's just walking in the parade. He's carrying like he's like a he's like a, a funeral procession mascot. Yeah, only for only for children funerals though. It's like really fucking dark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's like, a lot. There's a lot of, like, of little a lot, hints a lot of, of that. A lot of like child death, child slavery. Sure. Yeah, it's, just... it's children singing about hangings. You know, there's yeah, <laughs> there's you get the drop. The old drop. I um, thought he was going to help build the little the little kid caskets or something like that. He was going to measure him for the coffee. Yeah, that's what I, I didn't see that. I was like, that would be a great job for him. I don't know. <laughs> he makes his escape from, uh, he, he goes, well, he sings his Where's Love song we mentioned down in that little room. Yeah, that after, that after room looked like the this, set of the Rob Zombie Dracula video yeah, out of this little coffin. Yeah, after, after the kerfuffle with, with Noah. And the, the way it was portrayed in Lean's Oliver Twist was so great. Way better. Yeah. Noah, Noah was such a little shit. Yeah, you wanted to punch him oh himself. Oh my god. He looked, he looked like a 2003 emo kid. He, like, he had like long black hair. <laughs> he, he, looked, he looked like Connor O'Burst from Bright Eyes. Kind of. <laughs> and uh, and like he was just such a snide punk. And then Oliver just like goes off on him. And it, it wails on him. And it's so much more satisfying. 
Yeah, where this one, one was just it hitting, a hitting bit plot beats. Yeah, just hitting plot yeah, beats. Yeah. Like, yeah. So he's he's on his march to the big city. Gets a little um little mud or cow dung in the face or horse yeah, dung. This in was the face. That, this was that not cra- I laughed. I laughed out loud when that happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just feel like the production system just like <laughs> just like throwing mud in his face. Yeah, I, I really ca- I cackled when yeah. I saw that. It came at him like a roadhouse spear. Oh, you yeah. know? <laughs> Right boot. <laughs> he gets to the big city here, and we meet the Awful Dodger, portrayed by Jack Wilde. Jack Wilde gets a nomination for this I Best Supporting Actor. I thought he was good in this. I thought yeah. he was really good too. Chris, you have yeah, other thoughts? Good. No, I don't have other thoughts. Honestly, all I kept thinking, uh, this poor child actor. Like, God knows what his parents put him. He's- Jack Wilde ended up becoming like a, a British teen idol after this. Yeah. yeah. Um, have you guys ever heard of the show? H.R. Puffin Yeah, stuff. of course. Yeah. Jack Wilde was the star of oh, H.R. Okay. Puffin That show scared the bejesus out uh, of me oh, as a child. Yeah. I liked it. Good God. You're little, <laughs> I mean, it's trippy and yeah, weird. it's weird. It's yeah. one of those like Puff the Magic Dragon type of shows from the uh, late 60s, early 70s. Sure. Witches and dragons and all yeah. looking like giant demonic Muppets. Yeah. Very <laughs> twisted. So look up, just look up, Google image HR Puff yeah, and I, stuff I think and those, you'll get enough to know what I'm talking about. I think about. those re-ran like 20 years later. Like it was, we saw them all like afterwards. And yeah. it was weird, but I did like it. Yeah, so Jack Wilde had it. This was a, a big launching pad for him and... I thought he crushed it in this He's movie. Good. He nailed a lot of the choreography spots. He did it with charm. He did it yeah. smooth. And and it's, see, again, where Mark Lester as Oliver kind of struggled through it, I appreciated that because that's the character is supposed to struggle. Like, you don't yeah. want... If you, hold on, though. If you if Oliver rolls into town and starts breakdancing down the middle of the road and then kicking into nailing all his notes, you're watching this like, all right, well, what am I watching here? Yeah, but... It's a musical, and those rules don't apply. Okay, but within this story, though, he's the outsider. Yeah, but so I, you, you, but I don't, to, I don't you can think, still tell a story within. I the, don't. Within I the, don't. I don't think that was their intention, though. Yeah, he. I don't think here, that was their intention. I think, it, I think he's just like awkward as hell. If you uh, watch it, he is standing there watching everybody else perform almost the entire movie in almost every scene. He's. I think that's a choice. Back, watching them. And they're performing. I don't know. I mean, Carol Reed is a is a world class director. He directed Third Man with Orson Welles. Like this guy knows what he's doing, and I think that he wanted Oliver to look like an outcast the whole movie. I think that that yeah. is part of the point. I I don't know. I think you're I think you're giving him too much credit. Yeah, maybe I am. Maybe I am. But uh, to me, that's that's what I what I viewed with it. I'm kind of in the middle of both. I think you're both not wrong. Okay. In a weird way. I think that there are moments where it got away from him. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Where like he was he he did what he wanted a little too much. Where it's like okay, there's you're bordering not being able to execute. Right. Consider yourself at home. This is the probably the big hit from this the, was the one that my wife knew. Yeah, I knew it too. Yeah, I I, I did not. I I knew nothing of this. Not even a lot of the songs osmosis. were familiar to me. Really? Yeah. No, I none of this was familiar, and that was the one that that. My wife knew. She's mm-hmm. yeah. she's more uh, in tune with musicals than I am. So I, I want to say, and this seems like a good time to do it, I thought that the songs in this movie were just banger after banger yeah. for me. I thought okay. they were awesome. I, I, um, agree. I kind of agree with you completely, I, Karen. I got a total kick out of the whole set list. They got stuck um, in my head for a day later. Really catchy. Yeah. Really clever, a lot of the lyrics and, and whatnot, and it just it really worked for me. And I want to throw something. This is going to upset our, our friend co-hosts, Joey R. and RDB a little bit here. I think track for track, 
This oh, is a no. better soundtrack than Sound of Music. Kieran. I, I'm sorry. I do. I think Sound of Joey's Music... Joey's going to kill you in your sleep. I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think Sound of Music, the best songs are better than all, the, than all these songs. Okay. The top tracks. Yeah. But after the, the first three songs of Sound of Music, it drops off steeply. And this is a really well-rounded soundtrack. Yeah. I really think so this... that the entire production is this great song yeah. after great uh -huh. song. I do think that... Sound of Music does a better job of incorporating the songs into the actual movie. Right. I think like they make more sense within the plot. But this, yeah, the Consider Yourself segment here, this is obviously the big one. You know, the song is a big march, and we get the elaborate choreography, and the whole town, basically, is doing a giant parade through... Yeah, the, uh, the, 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 uh, the guys in the butcher shop, the, the, the three kids that are chimney sweepers, the, <laughs> the circus... They the, seemed a little, the a little the, stuck in there, too. The, fan, the, fancy, the fancy coppers... Yeah. And we we even got Paulie's meat shop in the back too with the, I'm in charge of the meat. I'm the guy with the meat. <laughs> um it was uh, I will say this about the music though. There every song is maybe one verse too long. I well that, that was that, that was my my thing with this with this with these songs. Is some of them some of them are really some of them are good. Some of them have uh, really great melodies and um chord progressions and everything like that. Some of them are done in really nice ways. But a lot of these songs felt really bloated to me. Mm -hmm. And just even like, even the dancing numbers um, in it, the um, the song Start the Second Act is so bloated with with the vendors and everything like that. Yeah, it's well, we'll a, get there. I don't want to jump to like that, that just yet. That, but in consider, yourself, consider Yourself also feels very bloated to me. Where for, for you're talking about a two-and-a-half-hour movie... And these songs are eight minutes a piece. Well, it could have been a two-hour movie easily if they had just slimmed those down a little yeah. bit, for sure. Consider Yourself itself took like five weeks to film, you know, yeah, just I mean, the, it's, just it's, a, very, it's a very elaborate number, and it's a, it's a massive undertaking, and I appreciate the effort. It's just... They feel bloated to me. Yeah, the number Who Will Buy also goes on for a long time. Yeah, that's what he was talking about. Yeah, way too so, yeah, and we'll, way too yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get there because I do want to talk about that one in length. But bloated is, is you know, I mean, that's definitely a little bit of a mean way to put it. But, but I don't care. <laughs> uh, one, one verse too many. Uh, I'll say we don't, we don't need seven and a half minutes of Consider Yourself at home well, yeah. and then a reprise at the end. And I, you know, yeah, I, I understand like part of it's like showing Oliver the big city and... And, you know, it's a whole fish out of water kind of thing, but tighten it up a little bit. Yeah, this and, and the other song guys referenced, Who Will Buy, I mean, they're really meant to accentuate the middle class. And yeah, that's kind of the purpose. I don't the give purpose. a shit about these ripe strawberries that they're singing about. <laughs> oh, I did. See, I enjoyed I enjoyed the number. It might have been long, but I really yeah. did like it. Yeah. Uh, you know another song I really, I, you know, I was listening to it. And I'm like, how do I know this song? The, the song, uh, I'd Do Anything. Uh, yeah. You, were, yeah. You, were you familiar with that one, Grant? I'm not familiar it was, with any of this. It was, featured this in, it was featured in a Jay-Z song. No kidding. And I was like, I know that song. Oh, wow. and, that, and that's how I knew it. Yeah. It was it was like the chorus of a Jay-Z song. But it, it's a really good song, actually. I like it a lot. Yeah, um, that's going to be another one. That also made me enjoy it. Knowing that. a couple of songs did help me enjoy it a little bit more. Because I was like, oh, yeah, I know this one. Like, when they kick helps. in, you're ready. You're yeah. Ready yeah, yeah. I think, I, well, that's, that's what sold Artie on Sound of Music. That he knew a lot. Yeah, that he knew yeah. that it was just like, oh my god, this is from this song? Right, yeah, yeah exactly. So we're going to get introduced to the gang and Fagin. And Fagin kind of comes out in this foggy steam of, uh-oh, 
how off-putting is his makeup going to be in this one? Yeah. <laughs> and then he they, pops they, out. It's like, oh, okay, this is they, toned they, down. This they, is grew toned a down. Lot, they grew a lot in 20 years. I thought I thought he looked fine. I don't I mean, think I that mean, he, he definitely looks like a giant pedophile. I mean, there's no question well, about that. Well, yeah. There's, there's... I think that with this movie, you have to kind of eliminate the idea of pedophilia if you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're going to be able to appropriately navigate the plot yeah exactly because you know old guys living in basements with with a string of pickpocketers yeah. is just I, not like they're taking baths there and sleeping and, yeah you know, and there's, a, there's, a, there's an owl there gonna just you lean know? on that g rating here if we can uh, talking, but again about, but i mean talking about moldy sausages we don't <laughs> shut up and drink your gin yeah that's oh that, oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, that's, what, that's my favorite line of the movie. So, so are you, you guys, both your daughters are about the same age, right? Four? Uh, Mine, mine's three. Mine'll mine. be five in May. Three yeah. and, okay, three and four, turning five. Have they reached the stage yet where when they complain about dinner, you say, shut up and drink your gin? <laughs> <laughs> it did, that, that, that line well, took I, me I, aback. I was like, I, I, had, I actually rewound, rewound it. I was like, wait, wait, yeah. what did he say? I, 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 yeah, I say shut up and then I drink my gin. <laughs> I mean, so at that point, you can just oh, these kids are just getting shit faced the whole movie. Yeah, that's, like, well, that's that's in the book too. Are they talking even about? even when uh, Oliver goes to um, the wealthy house and he's like sick in bed and they give him like red wine to drink? Just a different animal back then. Yeah, yeah. Here, here I use the strategy of of the beast. I just go then starve and I walk out. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. And then she talks to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The old beauty and the beast. Ron Moody's performance of, of Fagin here. Um, what, do, what do we think of his, uh, I like his job? I, I, he's my favorite character in the movie. I thought he, I thought he did a really good job. I um, loved his yeah. singing. I loved the, his look. I loved his dancing. I, 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 he was the guy that when he came on screen, I was mesmerized. I was like, yeah. man. Yeah, he did a great job. You portrayed the role on stage before this, so he, he was yeah, so he was ready for it. Was you unsure could... that he was going to get cast for it, which is kind of similar to our uh, Man for All Seasons, yeah, where uh, Paul Schofield played it and then wasn't going to get cast because they wanted a star for that role. Yeah. Another example where they made the right choice. I think. Yeah, I thought he did a great job. I I'll, loved it. Yeah. I'll say this about the Alec Guinness portrayal: problematic nature aside, just, I do think that, that Alec Guinness is really good in it, though. He's fantastic, yeah. and it's a very different Fagin. It's it a, is. it's a much more menacing. Fagan. His his accent in that is is that uh, that like kind of lispy uses yeah really it's it, it's a transformative yeah performance it you don't it doesn't look like think Alec it's Alec Guinness while you're watching all. it it's a darker character because like you view when you watch Oliver you kind of view him you view Fagin as like oh he's just like he's kind of like a rascal he's kind of like yes you know, like there's points where he's a little bit dark but he has a good heart at, underneath. All yeah, of it. Uh, uh, that's that's. I think it's all. I think the, what they're getting at is that's all the only life he knows. Yeah, but he yeah. is a decent. But he's a product of sort class. of a decent yes. person. Well, and and and, and you a, have to and, contrast. And a, he has to contrast um, uh, the Sykes. Bill Sykes yeah. uh, character. Like in in a world full of criminals, he's on the lighter end of that spectrum. Right. That's not the case in in David Lean's. So Fagin and the boys, and we get the. Uh, You've got to pick a pocket or two. Yeah. This is one where I thought the song helped the scene. Yes. Absolutely. Because in the yeah. lean version without the song, it was a kind of a confusing, odd scene. It right. needed a song, you yeah. know? And it, it was like years later when they had a song, so it was like, oh, this is much more yeah, enjoyable no, I, to watch. I like it in musicals where they use a song and they weave it into the plot, and this is this is that. This is pick a pocket or two, and I, I feel like it was really well done. I... This is the, was the most entertaining scene for me in the movie. Like I watched it several okay. times. Yeah, I, yeah, it's good. The song is excellent, and I think the choreography is awesome. I Brilliant. love the dancing. It, it was 
storytelling through choreography yeah, and it was so really good. done brilliantly. And yeah. I even love like there's a there's a point where like the kids go under his jacket and like he becomes like a horse. I was like, oh, that's so cool! Like, and he is mesmerizing on screen. Yeah, in that yeah, scene, super charismatic and yeah. and just really sells it. And the kids just do a nice job yeah. playing off him. We covered an American in Paris, and Grant, that's one you weren't on the episode but you watched it right afterwards and I don't think was yeah, one no, of your I, I didn't like it. Yeah. So that was a movie and again that came out about 15 years or so before Oliver. That's one that's highly credited for introducing choreography to film. Yeah. Uh, or really so prominently. And one of the things that I, I look at and I struggle with that versus this is is it better to get there first or to, to do it right? Second. And, You're right. and, and I think that this movie nails it. Yeah, yeah. I thought that they used the choreography within the story and kind of really dialed everything up to the to the appropriate degree yeah. as opposed to just sticking it in there. Now, I don't necessarily know that anything artistically in this movie is better than the final 15 minutes of An American in Paris, but yeah. to the casual eye or to someone who's not ready for it, that last 15 minutes of An American in Paris could potentially be completely unwatchable. Whereas well, I don't I, think there's any part of this movie that's unwatchable with the choreography. When I watched American in Paris, the last 15 minutes are as, as beautiful as it was, the dancing, choreography, the set design, it pissed me off so much. Well, see, there you because go. Because it just didn't end. American in Paris... Did you know it was coming? No. Okay, see, then there you go. American in Paris, to me, is a prime example of like, there's 45 minutes of story in that movie. And the rest is the rest is song and dance, and that pisses me off. <laughs> it really, it really does. You know, I understand it's a musical, and there's certain I just don't, I don't, I don't appreciate that as a viewer. Yeah, and I think it comes down to innovation versus excellence. And mm -hmm. I think that when people talk about dance and film, they'll bring up an American Paris before they'll bring up Oliver. Yeah. And I watched Oliver and was just like, wow, because I and I think part of it that hit home for me was having just covered an American in Paris. And where, because dance is just not something I, A, know anything about, mm -hmm. B, look for, or C, would ever think to comment on. Yeah. So now I'm kind of reviewing a movie here that is just really only remembered because of its choreography. And okay, I'm trying to get my head around it. And then weeks later, I watch Oliver and I got it. Yeah. I'm like, wow, now I get it. Because this, this movie put it in, in, a, in a vessel that I could process properly okay i mean i will I, I will say that the dancing in american paris is better just from a technical standpoint you know it's the, gene kelly so yeah, gene kelly and the, and the uh, i can't think of the yeah, lesson karen yeah, yeah. Uh, her dancing is phenomenal yeah. what she's able to do and oliver is packaged in a more every man kind of way i guess yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't and, know how to else to put and also it. you're you're getting gene kelly is doing it himself sure as the choreographer yeah and leslie karen is plucked out of a tour in europe as like a top Yes. Tier ballerina. So yeah. you're you're not like teaching eighty five kids. Oh, I understand. Do it. There's that. a difference. Yeah. You know, to me, there's a difference. And there. to Kieran's point earlier, in Oliver, they're not dancing for dancing's sake. They're dancing, telling a story. Yeah. That's yeah. different dancing completely. Oh, in American Paris, is definitely they're they're dancing to dance. Yeah. Right. Yes. And, and, and totally and, different thing. Yes. I guess Grant, you disagreed with this, and and I get it because I think that the the viewing experience is different for everyone. I thought in Oliver they did it in a way where you could look past it or ignore it if it wasn't something you're into. 
Whereas in American Paris, you couldn't ignore it. It was right in your face, I, and it was not. It didn't necessarily I, make sense with what you're seeing. It was just, okay, we're watching people dance. No, I agree. Where this was intertwined with the movement of the actors, how they're telling yes. the story, how they're emoting, how mm-hmm. they're interacting with each other. The, and yeah, this and the, you got to pick it apart too is a perfect example yeah. of why. Most of the songs in this are used as storytelling devices, which I appreciate. Like, I even like the little subtleties like... I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you noticed, the, the pocket watch is a good example. Fagin spins it around, tries to land it in the pocket, misses twice, and the kids kind of giggle. And then one of the orphans does it, bang, gets Nails it right it. In, the, in the pocket. Yeah. Like, these guys, these kids are prof- more professional yeah. than he is at, yeah. at this thing, you know? Like, and yeah, there's, and there's, so they're a, telling, everything is, every motion is yeah. telling the, the and part of the story. And there's a, built, there's a built in history there, and it feels really unforced. Yes. And yeah. it comes off naturally in the performance. There was, there was a scene right after that, which I really appreciated. He finished, they finished the number, and he has, okay, everyone, back, put everything back in the box. <laughs> and uh, the kids are loading it up. And um, one of the kids doesn't bring in the pocket watch. He's like, wait a minute. And he puts it in, he's like, come here. And like Oliver's like, what the hell's gonna happen? And he's like, good job. What yeah, a crook. <laughs> what a crook. Yeah, and, what yeah, a crook. Was, Stealing within this within the theme. Yeah, I, I like it when you kind of play because like because Oliver, you as the audience, and Oliver are trying to figure out like what kind of guy is Fagin really, and you're like he could either just beat the crap out of this kid, or he could be nice to him, and he chooses to be nice to him. Yeah, yeah because because he did exactly what he's trained to do. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we talk about themes a lot on this podcast. And I do want to preface this here, but we're talking about a G-rated adaptation of a musical that, that's adapted from a novel. So there's any themes that are coming across in this are going to be naturally very watered down mm-hmm. anyway, because number one, it's a musical. Number two, it's a kid's musical. Number three, it's it's gone through the filtration adapted system sure. like three or four times, not to mention that the, it's been done a bunch of times before this anyway. Yeah. You can't look at Oliver Twist or Oliver or the story at all without looking at class systems. And oh, yeah. I think that that is the big focus of why this is an important story and why the story is told. You have your middle class, you have your lower class, and the unseen for the most part is the upper class. Sure. Which is the main point of what is going on here is is that the upper class lives in I'm turning an eye to what's going on here in the yes. world because I don't have to concern myself with it because I'm living comfortably and I don't well, need to worry about they it. They even show it before that in the workhouse because the people in charge are up in a room eating a feast while yeah. these kids mm-hmm. are eating gruel. Right. You know, like so they show it right away. That, well, like, <laughs> you served him meat. Well, that's the problem. You gave him meat. You should yeah. be giving him gruel. Oh, oh that yeah. yeah that that well that's the I'll uh, give you the recipe. <laughs> That's the Undertaker that does that, right? Yeah, with, yeah, yeah, with, with the, Bumble. the uh, well, Bumble. So we're, we're going to get now into the pub, and we're going to meet Nancy, and we're going to meet Mr. Sykes. So I guess the system that they're running here is that the kids are pickpocketing the wallets and the handkerchiefs, yeah, and then they kind of... They sell the, the embroidery. Take off the embroidery. Well, they sell the, the wallets and the handkerchiefs. Yeah, resell. they clean them up, take off yeah. the initials, then resell, right. and then Sykes kind of... Gets the houses. higher end materials. He yeah. robs the houses now, and gets the... Having not read the book, am I to understand that Mr. Sykes was a kid there at some point and then... That's what it seemed like in the, in the then, play. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Up, yeah, I, I didn't think, he, think about that. That I makes sense. He, he I came up, became an adult and became the big... Well, that's the, that's kind of what they, they alluded to, right? During the pick a pocket or two. To be like Bill Sykes. Like yeah. Bill Sykes. So they, that's what they aspire to be. Yeah, but... Fagan's kind of... In charge of the the middle, he's the middleman. He's got to resell. He That's wander, why he wanders it. Yes, yeah. yeah. Nancy, what do we think of Nancy's role in this whole shindig? 
I thought she was pretty good. I, I think she's uh she's motherly enough, which is what I think partially what she's supposed to be doing mm-hmm. with the kids. You know, they they look at her of, as a maternal figure. I think her and uh, Mr. Sykes have quite the uh, dysfunctional relationship. But yeah, uh, yeah. well, for sure. What uh, did you think of her performance, Grant? I liked her performance. I liked her performance better than I liked the one in Oliver Twist. The turn in Oliver Twist, where she like she takes him in. And then she's like, oh, leave him alone and all that stuff. I felt that was very drastic. Um, I thought it was a little bit more earned yeah. in the 1966, 68 yeah, version. Yeah, she, she's, she's, she cares about the kids all, all, all through. You can tell she's... But you can tell she especially cares for Oliver because she knows that Oliver's completely not made for this exactly. yeah. existence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, by the way, he's definitely not suited for any of this. He, he's, mm-hmm. a, he's, he's soft as hell. He is so soft. Yeah. He also looks soft. And yeah. moves soft and acts soft. So, I think that's so can you understand about... the casting a little yeah. bit? Is like you right. want someone who's not made for this world. I mean, Carol Reed is no dope. I think that he knew what he was doing with it. Yeah. And again, I do think there are moments where it got away from him a little bit. Sure. But we have a it's a fine life is the gig here where Nancy gets her first big yeah. number. Yeah. Fun, nice little bar tune. Yeah. This was definitely the moment as a child that I would always tune out though. Like it's like, oh, okay, good. It... I don't care about bars yet you know <laughs> got this woman singing piece like yeah. I, I was a kid i was just like i want to go back to the to fagan's land and, yeah, and yeah, fagan's, sure. i want to learn how to pickpocket well they set it up because the other girl that was like cooking chestnuts outside or whatever the hell she was cooking when she saw bill's shadow she ran in and told nancy oh bill's here bill's here yeah so like, you know that there's a relationship there Fagan alludes to it also about her fixing him supper. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Well, How many relationships have we seen in real life where, like, you have a really enthusiastic girl with some meathead guy that completely mistreats her? I mean, and, like, listen, and, it just, and the girl keeps going back for more. Yeah, That's yeah. exactly what this is. Yeah, Anyone true. who's ever said or heard someone say, What is she doing with this guy? Yeah. was talking about Bill Sykes. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bill Sykes plays that role yeah. perfectly. He's the guy. It's like, yeah. What is she doing with this yeah. guy? But, and, no, yeah, but, that's but she, she she grew up she grew up in the same vein as these kids did, where she had nobody and and, and abuse and, and when someone's abused, they seek an abusive relationship. And and she is a joyous, positive character who yes. sees the best in what she has, and that's the point of this song here. It's yeah. a fine life, and and that's in talking about the class systems. They're in the lower class. Oh yeah. And she is there in the middle of people who are, you know, drinking at the end of their day or getting getting through what they got to do. And she is, you know what, I'm, I'm making the best of it. Yeah. And it, it works so well with her character to yeah. me. And it's a great number and everything. Nice introduction fun. of her. And, yeah. 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 Oh, oh, but I did all oh, I kept thinking. If it's I, a dark I, song. If you look at the lyrics, it's a dark song. Yeah. It's, you know, they're, yeah. they're talking about, about, about a tough like, life. And, yeah. and, you know, like the avoiding rats for the plague and all that. You know, unfortunately, is, this probably says a lot about me as a person where I'm, I'm, I'm constantly putting myself in Bill Sykes' shoes and I'm just like, why the fuck is she singing all over me? Like, she's all around me. I'm trying to fucking eat. I'm, I'm, trying, to eat my, like, I'm trying to eat my stew God and have my beer. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, shut up. You know, Do I want... you love me, Bill? Well, I live with you, don't you? I don't I? <laughs> I want to talk for a second about Fagin's Owl. Real okay. owl, fake owl. I think it's real. I think it's real. It, yeah. did, when you were watching it, were you able to Katie pen thought it was, that it was Katie, real? Katie thought it was fake. I thought it was oh, real. Oh, I thought it looked real. Like it's, yeah. I, I saw like its neck moving. It looked like it was yeah. breathing. I looked at him like, oh, wow, they use a real owl. That's interesting. Probably not allowed today. But um, And it then I'm looking at him like, so oh, no, I guess it is fake. 
Did you and then it? I'm like, oh wait, maybe it is. And then I'm like, uh, now I'm just confused. I'm like, is real. this thing? No, it was a real. Yeah, idea. no, I could tell. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's technology to make a fake one at that that looks that yeah. real. Uh, yeah, it I don't know. It wasn't I mean, like it wasn't like Hedwig. It was, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. he, Kira doesn't know who oh, Hedwig oh, is. Oh, I know. I did that on purpose. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, definitely <laughs> so, don't. Yeah, I'm just uh, just moving the things along here. That's Harry Potter's um, owl. For oh, for geez. for you listeners out there, Kieran's a muggle. He has no idea what we're talking. about. We did. Plenty of Harry Potter talk in last week's episode <laughs> of you Braveheart. Up, you brought him up for one minute. You he talked, got his due. You talked about Brendan Gleeson as Mad Eye Moody. That's all you did. Oh, great, great. He got great his due time. He got what he deserved. Okay, he got his due time yeah, on this podcast it. two weeks in a row. Great, we're going to have to start our own Harry Potter podcast. I'll do it. Yeah. Harry Podcast. <laughs> ah, there you go. That has, okay. to, be, that has to be too. Copyright, copyright that, Greg, please. <laughs> And since we're already brought up last week, uh, I talked a little bit about um, Clint Eastwood and the horses last week. And We've had our time with Clint Eastwood. <laughs> well, <laughs> when Clint Eastwood would be on the Westerns and they'd say, action, the horses would all bug out and oh. shit. That's why when he directs, he never says action or cut. He just... Go. He just, yeah, just go. Out. And all right, that's enough of that. I've heard of um, Yeah, I've heard that. But... The owl would freak out with its head and start spinning it around no in circles kidding. every time they said action. 180 degrees each way. It would, just, yeah. it would, oh, wow. it would chill, but the head would just go, yeah. and it would, everyone would be like, as, oh, an, as, a, as an owl would do. Yeah. It's also a, a, a dangerous animal to have around on a set. I mean, they can be vicious. Like, they have talons. Yeah. Yeah. Next, we have Nancy coming to collect for Bill. Yes. And we get I'd Do Anything, which oh. is essentially Oliver is introduced to Nancy. And he bows. Yes. And the girls kind of are are charmed she, by it and curtsy. Yeah. And the kids start making fun of right. of Oliver. And then girls then turn to the to the guys and say, "Hey, you know, he don't make fun of him because he has class." And Dodgers, show, I'll show you class. I've got class. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get this this number, which I for me is the highlight of this entire movie. Okay. Um, okay. Not only was it a great song with. Again, brilliant choreography. Yeah. Super warm interaction from all the characters as a whole from beginning to end. And I thought it was as important as any scene to the themes that and, and the message that this movie is going to deliver. Chris, you said that this song kind of popped for you. A well, little bit it's too. because I, I had... It's a catchy number anyway, but it's something that clicked in my head. Hey, oh, I know this song. Oh, this is what... You know, like, like Grant said, this is what this is from. Yeah, like, yeah. I didn't know. And yeah, it was delightful. I, it's a great song, man. It, the music in this is phenomenal. I, I'm a really big fan. Like I would, I would play it up at home with my for my kid. You know, yeah. You know? yeah. No, I just want to throw this out real quick. Did either of you guys watch this with your daughters? Or no? No, I, I, I'm pretty sure child slavery is a little bit <laughs> too too tough for her at five. I mean, uh, general admission on, in another year or so. I'll, I'll put that. In. On, when it comes to something that I have to pay for, I don't want her watching it in case she wants to watch it forty times. Very <laughs> fair point. That's a that's really a good very point. fair point. Yeah. See, now on, that's if, someone who doesn't it, have kids that would not if, think if like that. If it's on Disney, if it's on Disney Plus, yeah, Oliver. That's why you saw Oliver. Oliver and Company, great, no problem. On this Disney thing, Plus. yeah, on, on Amazon Prime, that goes away in 48 hours. I'm not buying that again. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You can play those songs on Spotify probably. Yeah, all that's the time. fine. Yeah, that's, that's fine. fine. So this, this segment for you, Grant, go ahead. Be a jerk if you have to. No, no, okay. I'm, I'm not going to be a jerk. I thought Chris I, was going to be the jerk today. To be I know. I know. Said I know. You, I'm, right? I'm, I'm as surprised <laughs> as you are. The rare, the rare occasion where I wear the jerk hat. Again, I, I, again, I, I felt the song was, was overlong. You talk about... It ties into the themes. What themes are you talking about? Okay, yeah. So this is the one song that I thought was the perfect length. 
I think it is crucial for this film to develop a connection between Nancy and the kids. Okay. And you have to do it in the biggest way possible. And to me, picking the best song in the movie, I mean, I'm sure the biggest song in the movie is, is Consider Yourself, but to me, the best song in the movie is this. You take that song and put it in this moment and you put that choreography in the moment. And, and to me, the connection between her and Dodger as the kids kind of build the carousel that they're riding in, which is I thought was just really visually really creative and cool. The the connection between the two actors, they really played it and, and sung along well. Then her transitioning to the second verse where she's now connecting with Oliver, who is not playing with the other kids. He's on the sidelines. He's still a little bit of an outsider. Yeah. And again, this is where I thought that his soprano, the soft, meek soprano voice they used for him, really worked well between the two female characters. And then bringing it back into the kids where the song escalated into a bigger dance number. Then you get Fagin in the other room, overhearing what's going on, getting increasingly frustrated. Yeah. Because he's trying to do his math, he's trying to do his numbers. You're ready for him to, like, knock the record off the table and they're right. screeching. Argh! What do you get instead? Probably one of my favorite moments in the entire movie. Song kicks in with a bigger crescendo. Fagin comes running out with the spinning umbrella and hijacks the song. Right. <laughs> and now he's in the center dancing bigger than everyone. And they're just around him and all everything escalates yeah. to him being center stage. And you get this dark fourth verse of him. What would you do for me? And we'll do anything for you. We'll yeah. do anything for you. Would you? And then and this was my quote of the movie here in this last verse. Would you rob a shop? Anything. anything. Would you risk the drop, talking about hanging? Anything. <laughs> Though your eyes go pop. Anything. Jesus. <laughs> when you come down, plop. Anything oh. for you. Hang everything is what the kids yeah. say on the last one. So you went from this really charming love song to this bizarre, <laughs> almost uh, like like well, Nazi almost, propaganda, almost like, like marching. Yeah. Yeah. And, That's and, interesting. Um, <laughs> and then the, the best moment of, of all with it is... I do anything, anything for you. All right, then get to work. Ah, fuck that. I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and just uh, yeah, I thought the whole scene just okay, really was was the uh, the core of this movie. Okay. So and, and, and visually, it's really stunning too. The choreography is great again with the, the umbrellas and the uh, didn't they use them as like carriage wheels? Yeah, wheels. Yeah. And it was that yeah, was so yeah, cool. It was carriage wheels. That was, that, was, that was really interesting. Yeah, and where awesome. you had the consider yourself where they used every prop that they could find in the damn village. Yeah. this was just the umbrellas in their body. So I, I thought it was I thought the camera work in this was really was really well done yeah. too because they're in a confined space. And they're able to use creative ways to yeah. Uh, yeah. use the camera. I, they, they, this movie used the Dutch angle a lot. I don't know if you guys know what the Dutch angle is. I'm not familiar. No. It's I don't know when it originated. I guess it originated in Holland. Um, <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> good, good assumption. Yeah, um, yeah, that or Philly. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> but it's a it's a camera angle that's skewed on an angle. You know, because everything's usually ninety degrees. This one's you know on its on its side, and depending on how warped you want to get. And it's it, it's usually used to denote a a fucked up situation or something that's yeah that the character is not used to being in or some kind of dream sequence. But this is that's used a, to, that's a skew. It's supposed yeah, to be make it a right, skew, right? You know, visually. Yeah, exactly. For some reason, they use it a lot in this movie, and I don't just it didn't. It, well, it, visually, it does keep you on edge. It's a, it's it's a similar thing I, that like Tim Burton but, does. But it wasn't like but it wasn't an edgy scene at that point. Yeah, it, it didn't. It, I don't know. It just—it's not about—it's not about that necessarily. It's about making the audience feel a certain way. 
like uh, Tim Burton does it a lot. He, sure. He, uh, uses off angles uh, often. Yeah. Like he, he does it in Nightmare for Christmas like consistently. Everything's yeah, off. Yeah, but, that, but that's, but that's, it, a, a, top, that's a topsy-turvy movie though. Well, I, I understood, but it is used to incite a certain res- like a, sure. a physiological response from the... Uh, yeah, no, I understand that. I just don't know when, 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 when Fagin's talking to his owl, I don't know what the purpose of it was. Yeah. That's all. The camera work is really good in this movie. Yeah, I mean it, the the cinematographer, and we always love to to highlight the cinematographer here. Cinematographically, <laughs> Oswald Morris. Morris. His again, it, these guys always seem to have notable resumes right. that you have here, and uh, he he would win his Oscar for Fiddler on the Roof, another musical, obviously. Sure. In Carol Reed's acceptance speech at the Oscars for Best Director, he noted that this is the first musical he's ever directed. And he said that when you're directing your first musical for the first time, you have to lean on people who've done it before. Sure. And I was graciously given given that for yeah. this, you know, and, and, I'm, and I'm thankful for that. But, uh, yeah, so Fiddler on the Roof, Oswald Morrison. He also did The, uh, the Wiz. Interesting. Um, okay. Also, uh, another musical, which was my runner-up for recommendations here. We do our recommendations later on. The Great Muppet Caper. Okay. Also worked with uh, Kubrick, ironically enough, as this beats... One of Kubrick's films. Uh, he was a cinematographer on Kubrick's Lolita, talking about problematic child uh, <laughs> movies. <laughs> and I did promise a Jaws connection here yeah. today. Guys, we did the um, Jaws and Shaws episode. We, where we talked Man for All Seasons and Jaws. Yeah. You can go back and check that one out. And in that episode, we talked about the original introduction of Robert Shaw's character, Quint, where he was supposed to be in the movie theater. Yes. Watching uh, Gregory Peck's Moby Dick. Right. Oswald Morris was the cinematographer on Gregory the Peck's Moby, Moby Dick. Dick. The one so that Gregory Peck go. is so embarrassed that he doesn't sure. want to show anybody. But, uh, uh, yeah, so there's your Jaws connection here. There it that. is. Okay, so after after I do anything, you go right into this kind of B-track and be back soon. The song itself was just kind of more of a, a, a B-track. That, that's, that's an in-betweener. Yeah, and like a it's little... A bridge, it's a bridge song. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And just a little too close to the last piece, too. Yeah, they were going step-by-step step on their bums. I, was, I thought, I was like, wow, that, that must hurt. Like, yeah. yeah, that's mostly <laughs> what I thought about that scene. Like, oh, uh, Oliver getting busted stealing the wallet, even <sighs> though he doesn't really steal it. And... God, he's terrible. He, he's just a terrible <laughs> criminal. <in every Yeah. laughs> well, he's guy, not a criminal. The guy, the guy turns around and he's just saying, hey, I don't have anything. He just stands there just <laughs> and just like books it. I know. <laughs> well, first of all, the Arfa Dodger in David Lean's version is older. Yeah, grimier. Uh, same, same in the nineteen thirty three. Yeah, grimier. Older, yeah. And that scene is really cool because it, it almost, it almost like a steady cam. It feels like when you're following the Arfa Dodger and the other kid mm-hmm. to the mark to the uh, the older guy, it just pushes in with them. It does a really, it's just a really cool scene, really well shot. With that movie, one of the things that I I really just loved the viewing on is that you're watching the director of Lawrence of Arabia and yeah. Bridge on the River Kwai right. do Oliver Twist. Yeah. And it's just, look, watching that in reverse, where I've obviously seen his bigger stuff first, and now I'm watching this, this is kind of where he came up. It's very cool. And it's th- it starts, the camera work in that movie is excellent. <sighs> Finding all these little angles. And mm-hmm. we get into a court scene, and uh, Hugh Griffith is there, and he's a guy who will pop up in Best Picture winners again. He's in three Best Picture winners. The other two we have not covered yet. He's the judge. Yeah, it's almost like a little cameo He looks like Tom Selleck. He does. He does. Um, He's also in Ben-Hur. Okay. 
and he's in Tom Jones. So this is uh, one of three of these, and we haven't covered either of those yet. You'll love Ben Hur, Chris. It's like yeah. five and a half hours long. Oh, like it's that. great! I love, I love, <laughs> I love old long movies. Those yeah. are my favorite things. There were there were two things in this movie that, if it was deliberate, I feel like it should have been expounded upon and maybe pursued deeper. Where in the beginning of the work home, the thing on the back says "God is love," which is complete bullshit. Right? It's not. It's not what the people believe. It's not, it's just, it's just a front for all that stuff. And you get the same sentiment again in the court scene behind the judge. It says justice with mercy, which is the exact opposite of what Oliver would have gotten if not the man stepping in. It goes into how society and the society and societal institutions have failed these kids over and over again. But I don't don't know if that was deliberate or not. That's a good spot. It's a good, good eye there. And um, I don't know if, if. If it was deliberate, I feel like it, that's something that could have been expounded upon. I think that Carol Reed did a good job here in his in transitioning this this production from the stage to the film, and knowing that it's a, a Dickens novel that is much more o- overt with what it's trying yeah. to say. He did a good job of of picking moments to highlight the social commentary he was trying to say sure. without making the movie about that, because yeah. it is at the end of the day, it's a kid's. Movie. It's a you musical. Want to be yeah, we don't need to. Yeah, you know, we don't need to go crazy. We into, don't need to go heavy-handed. Yeah, <laughs> right into polit- you know political yeah. campaigns here. You know? Sure. Yeah, this isn't Gangs of New York. Wow, it's there's it's similar in some weird ways. Yeah, I think for this movie, the the story is a vehicle for the for the music and, and oh. the musical numbers, oh, yes. as for opposed sure. to the musical for numbers sure. being a hunt story. Well yeah. said. Very well said. Right, the story's a vehicle for the music, not the other way around. Yes, right. yes, yeah. yes, completely agree. We get to the intermission here, guys. How do we feel about about intermissions in general? Because we I don't see them much I anymore. I fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited. I was like, yes, this I don't is, have to watch. This I, I wanted an intermission in every, every movie I <laughs> ever watch again. This is blowing my mind. Chris's reactions to everything. This is I like know. I love like, it because oh, well, because you, you feel a little opposite about intermissions. Well, because great. like. And I'm happy to have this because when we talked about this in Sound of Music, uh, Joey and, and Artie were in love with that along with everything else in the movie. So go. <laughs> like, in, in the 60s, I get it. When you're watching it the, in the theaters in the 60s, I get it. And it just does not age well because, motherfucker, well, I have a pause button. <laughs> if I, want, I can take intermissions whenever I want. <laughs> Yeah. I don't need you telling me when I can take a leak. Apparently, I would do well in federal prison because I love... Somebody telling me to go take a piss. It was fantastic. You know what? I was getting, I, I, unbeknownst to me, I was getting fanny fatigue. I had a pee. Like it was a whole thing. And then the intermission came up and I was like, it was like a ray of, of light just shone it's, right through my, my ceiling of my house. Yeah. I like it more for the, uh, the throwback aesthetic. I like the yeah. overtures in the I beginning like that and the end. Yeah. The screen's dark and the music's playing and the closed captions reminding you that your TV's not broken. You know, it's like, oh, <laughs> music is still playing. Music's still yeah, playing, yeah. deaf people, please. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> and then I watched 2001 A Space Odyssey. <laughs> oh, God. And that, needs, that needs an intermission. I have never been more grateful for a moment in a movie in my life than yeah. when that intermission came up. Yeah. Like, it, it was really like a, like a recess bell. <laughs> I, it was like someone had you in a headlock and they let it go. <laughs> Uh, and I don't, I don't mean that in a negative way. Right. I mean it like it's, sure. I need to, I, yeah. that is placed brilliantly. And it's funny, same year, two very different intermissions. Oh, but of course, I was watching this with my wife 
This is my second time. And she's like, oh, this is like when you go to a Broadway show, they have an intermission and then like they, they flash the lights and then like when everyone's getting into their seats, the orchestra starts playing the overtures. They start playing like the themes of the second act to kind of get you yeah, get into the music. Yeah, sure. So like, so it, I do understand there is like the throwback feel to it, which is great. Sometimes, you know, let's say you have to go to the bathroom or mm -hmm. get something to eat or whatever it is. You pause it. Our response is just like, okay, I need to do something. I'm going to pause it. But sometimes that's in the middle of some dialogue or that's in a, in a weird spot. And, and, and then you kind of disrupt the flow of the movie. Where, whereas with this, it told you, okay, this is a good time to stop. And, and I like that. I, I must pat myself on the back here. <laughs> oh, yes, please do. <laughs> I, I will. I'm very good at picking my spots. Okay. I'm not so I'm much. very good. I, I'm like, I say to myself, all right, I want to get a drink. I want to get like popcorn. I want to go to the bathroom. When this scene's over, popcorn. Well, I, I'm pretty good. At, I'm pretty good at picking my spots. Okay. That's a skill. I mean, that's a yeah. skill. And I will say it's becoming a necessary skill in today's yeah. viewing experience because these Netflix shows, or Netflix in quotations, whatever, whatever, whatever streaming million streaming services, shows, yeah. but these modern television shows that are designed to binge watch. Yeah. I'll tell you, and I've, and I've kind mm -hmm. of mastered this myself, is I don't stop the episode at the end of the episode because they give you that little shot of dopamine at the end of yeah, every episode yeah, that yeah. says, oh my God, Jack Bauer's in trouble. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, yeah, I gotta yeah, see yeah. what happens next. Or, you know, it started with 24 and Lost. Sure. And now it's, sure. forget it. Now, now, now they're doing it. Things, they're yeah, really yeah, doing yeah. it to get you to binge. Binge watch is now a term. Yes. I stop it in the middle when there's like two people like building a garden you know, I'm like, oh, okay. There, they're they're gardening, great. There's always end of episode. Yeah, I'll I'll start this up another again when I when I want to watch one episode. A have you guys ever heard of the show uh, Louis C.K.? We're in problematic character mode. I think it's kind of <laughs> when it comes Mel Gibson. Next week's Annie Hall, uh, Woody Allen. So yeah. it's just like we're just gonna roll through them here. Every landmine um, you can roll but, over. But uh, Louis C.K. show uh, Horace and Pete. Have I've you ever seen, heard of it? I've seen. I've heard of it. I've seen clips of it. Um, and I really liked it. I just yeah. never watched it. So I had I got a, had a recommended by a listener of the show and our our friend Chris Sean put it and uh, also the host of the One Thousand and One by One, uh, Ian over there also kind of on his show talked about it. So I'm like I got to do this and boy it's on, it's on Hulu I think very heavy depressing yeah. show yeah but they have intermissions in every episode interesting yeah it's oh, like the episode hours, has it's done show. artistically uh, if forty five minutes to an hour oh, okay. here it's heavy. Yeah. yeah. Really? They talk about dark things on that show. Oh, wow. Real cool. They own a bar. You know, they own a bar. It's Buscemi, Buscemi and Lucy K. And, and Alan Alda's on there. And um, Edie Falco from Sopranos. Yes. It's done in like a theater style deal. Okay. But yeah, yeah, each episode has an intermission in the middle of the episode. Very kind of cool artistic. That show. sounds... Like, way too close to home for me to enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, getting, getting into the second half here. Now, I'd say that the second half in general isn't as loaded as the first half. This is where a lot of the plot happens. It's very plot-heavy, not very song-heavy. Not only is it plot-heavy, as you put it, Grant, but it's also kind of like rush-job, cram-job plot-heavy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's exposition-dumpy, and it's, yeah. it's let's get... All the well, Dickens the, shit in, this you know, is, like this, what, like yeah, like this is what happens when you have eight minutes. <laughs> we we sung and danced around yeah, for like, two and, hours, and now, like, and now oh, we got to actually tell a story. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah. there's there's some examples are more glaring than others, but we we start this off, and I feel like this is going to be an interesting conversation here. Uh, the who will buy. Oliver looks out of his new, his new pad. His, here, new, his, pod, uh, his yeah. new posh. Yeah, uh, I'm waiting for Exhibit to show this off. I've got a dated reference there. The cribs, <laughs> MTV Cribs. 
Yeah, he looks out and we get the who will buy. Yeah. You guys did not enjoy the who will buy. I'm getting I did. I, I, Chris, I, did. Chris I, did. I did not. I, okay. It's not my favorite part of the movie, but I think it's cool. I, I liked it. And it's long. I mean, it's hard to, yeah. to it, it, say it, otherwise. And it could, it, it could easily get the point across and shave off two minutes. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. You could shave off two minutes. I do, though, really love what they're trying to accomplish here and what I think that they, they are able to accomplish here. First of all, the crescendo of the song, the starting off with the simple, who will buy my red roses, the right, one cool voice. Who will buy my milk, who will buy my strawberries. And, and, they, and they build up. Oh, it's grind day. Also, though, the technical aspect of singing and round and yeah. the each item and them singing over each other coming together building into the crescendo yeah. stopping with Oliver just looking out saying who can basically preserve this memory for me right and then going into this wild over the top dance big talk about crescendo like really All rolling into a, a big explosion and, yeah yeah and i just thought it really hit home you know obviously we're talking middle class here again and we're talking about the upper class viewing the middle class through the window who was really just begging for business. I just thought a lot of what's going on today with the struggling of small business. I thought that, that it kind of hit home and I thought it was very okay. poignant today in just having every vendor out there just trying to get the attention of people yeah. who are stuck if, in their rooms. Uh, I, I, th I thought it was just kind of, it, it was interesting. If, of course they were not intending that. If I was like having my morning coffee and somebody was like walking around trying to sell flowers, I'd put my sprinklers on. <laughs> Get the hell out of my yard. I don't want strawberries. I'll go, to the, I'll go to the store for that. It didn't occur to me that it was much different than like having a farmer's market in your neighborhood. Oh, no. Like, I, yeah. That's I pretty much what it, it, it seemed like to me. And I was like, I honestly, dude, I had to talk. Of, of all people, man, I, I had a totally different response. I was like. This looks delightful. <laughs> Everybody's selling the things I want. In I would my like to buy a rose. I, hey. would, I would like to buy a rose and some oranges. And, and a glass a, of milk. It's only gourd. Oh, milk. Well, my milk, friend Joey would love a pint The milk maids were, were delightful too. And they were carrying them. Joey would shoot paintballs at that. You know, those milk vendors. Yeah, I, I feel like I should have been bored in this time because it all sounds great. Like, I, I love uh, it. It's definitely an idealistic view of like what the middle class is <laughs> you and, think yeah no it, but it's and, and i and i do understand his purpose i do it's just yeah you could you could have just just like a lot of these numbers. you were watching the clock a bit you just, just a little a lot of these numbers you can just trim it a little bit I, I was a little concerned that the milk jugs weren't covered properly and i'm like oh there's must be dust <laughs> i thought that <laughs> yeah, nobody like, thought about the dust on, they're, on dirt, they're, they're, they're on a dirt road yeah, yeah like, i felt I, I felt i felt bad for their shoulders we haven't talked a lot about the set designs yet and set this design whole, is killer yeah, yeah it's that really cool. whole that was all reconstructed to look exactly like that section of of wait of th that the, wasn't a lot no. that was a set that was yeah. a set. Oh my god! Dude, the whole thing was a set. And, and set. I didn't know. I didn't know that, and that's shocking. Yeah, and apparently identical to what it's supposed to be looking. Why like didn't they London just Square. shoot it? It's it's like when we watched like the, the, the room. It's like disaster. Why, yeah. why it's a disaster? <laughs> why didn't they just film it at the actual yeah. place? Then? Because it's a real Hollywood movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know the inner workings of of England and how that, but it's England has basically like its own Hollywood. Right where okay. the Hollywood yeah, lots, know. yeah. There's there's yeah, an area where it's like lots. Yeah, like pine, like Pinewood, like Pinewood Studios. That's like James Bond, Star Wars are all filmed there. And yeah, they rebuilt the sets, and and apparently these sets are so elaborate that they 
stood there for like over a decade. Yeah, and like people, we're, we're people moved down. in. How, how yeah, it was yeah, just it was just there. They're like, oh, that's the Oliver set. Like that's way too big a job to take that down. Like you can, if you want to take it down, you could do it. I'm not doing it. Like that that outdoor set by the by uh, the swamp like, area, the bar, uh, and like the, so the, it's, it looks it's, it's, it looks amazing. There, it's inevitable with these who should have won stuff to try not not do it, and we get intertwined with it. But I watched this movie this time around and was, and again watching with a critical eye, like. Just so blown away by the sets, the yeah. set design Such and the whole great. setup. And I'm like, boy, it better have won for this. And I looked it up and it did. Yeah. It, you hear people complaining that it won. And I'm like, what? That seems ridiculous. It's 2001 Space Odyssey again, though. Right. And which, <sighs> but when it was nominated, yeah. I watched that last night. I was like, ooh, it's just two so, so different. different things. Yeah. and. In in what in what Hollywood at that time understood a set to be Oliver's perfect. Yeah, it's yeah. perfect. Yes. Yeah, it really they reconstructed eighteen hundreds England. It's the most traditional. You you were there. Tradi- it's like a traditional movie set as opposed to whatever the, the fuck other Kubrick one. Was doing. Yeah. The other one created something foreign and unknown to everyone. Yeah. So looking back, it's easy to say, how did that not win? The Academy is always going to go for that traditional of what this this traditional thing is. Almost, almost always. I mean, look, yeah, look yeah. at like the 90, was it 94 with uh, 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 Pulp Fiction and all that. Pulp Fiction didn't win and it would never have won because it was so different than what what had come before. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you're the first one, it's always hard. You know? and, and, the th- and that's a good example too with Forrest Gump and, and the Pulp Fiction. Right. When you're in, when you blow the right whistle inside the box, they're going to hear you. Yeah. If you blow the whistle outside the box, they might hear you. But if there's someone blowing the whistle inside the box at the same they're time, gonna they're going to hear them. And exactly. that's what this is. Yeah. Right. And I think that's, in many ways, kind of can explain the best picture situation as well. I don't but, think it's a bad... Listen, I think, that, like we said, there are two different movies. And I don't think either pick would have been wrong. I just think they would have been picked for different reasons. Yeah. And things age differently, too. So yeah. we're, we're into this now whole deal of getting Oliver back. And I think that this is kind of the most problematic part of this whole... Of the story. Story in general. Like, yeah. I don't think... Just, honestly, I think the one entity that did it best was Oliver and Company Cartoon. <laughs> because yeah. they thought he was in trouble. So they were honestly yeah. trying yeah. to save him. Right. Like, it, 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 getting was, Oliver back doesn't really make a whole ton of sense. This was just like... No. Like, I don't want him to tell on us kind of thing wouldn't he have done that in the in the courtroom though yeah, i mean like, yeah there's there's, there's, there's holes all over the place yeah but. and that's yeah, it made even less sense in the oliver twist in 1948 even well because the, they really didn't even expound on that they just yeah the, like fake was just like i want him back in the book he has a he has an evil twin brother or an evil I, no an evil stepbrother and so the stepbrother needs Fagin to get him back because there's a clause in his trust that says that if he commits a crime, he can't get his trust fund, and then it goes to the brother. But none of the adaptations use the brother because apparently the brother's not, like, a good character. (laughs) So they're just like, it's great. So now every, all these other adaptations are just trying to find a reason to get him back. So it's kind of a a little bit of a hole in what's going on here. I think... Grant kind of touched on something that's that I think is is worth noting. It would have been better in Oliver if they had forget the story. Like we have to get him back because he's gonna say he's gonna tell them about us. That's ridiculous. It doesn't make sense because if he would if he was going to he he would have narked the judge as Nicholson says in Departed. If you coulda, you woulda. Right? He he didn't do that, so he would have done that already. The the storyline should have been it's a possession. Sykes and Fagan, they just they want him back just because. 
It doesn't need to be a reason. Yeah. He's our possession. We yeah. want him back. That's it. That's good, Chris. That's I like all you that. need. Yeah. I will say, though, at the end of the, the big number, the uh, the who will buy, you get arguably one of the best shots of the movie. The zoom, the the kind of, the zoom, zoom in on, on, Sykes on Sykes and Dodger and yeah. the dog. Yeah. Bullseye. It's almost it's almost like something at a taxi driver, you know. It's, almost, it's yeah. like, Ooh. you know, these guys it's aren't jarring. singing and dancing at all. It's jarring. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like they don't belong here. My favorite stuff in the movie is the scenes between Fagan and and Sykes, where Sykes is just being super intimidating and scary to Fagan, and he's like trying his best to get him back, or he's manipulating Nancy and all that. Like th- that's that was. To me, the most compelling stuff in the movie. Yeah, Oliver Reed in this just does his best. Uh, oh, Anton Chigurh. He's, he's great. Uh, yeah, it just he's awesome. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to talk about him when we talk about Gladiator too, because I love Proximo in that movie. Yeah. Um, and I think he dies on the set of Gladiator in, in real in real oh, life. Wow. Yeah. Um, just, oh wow. Yeah, he gets he's ill and. He's, yeah, he's uh, really menacing in this. He's really great. Very yeah. menacing is the right word. Yeah. yeah. Nancy, they considered, uh, and Artie and Joey will sit up in their seats for this one. Julie Andrews. They consider Julie Andrews for this role. No kidding. And the role is kind of played in a very Julie Andrews manner. That would work. See, yeah. yeah, she's yeah. got the hair and she's got the mannerisms. Oh, the Boy, hair. Oh, the hair. Watching, uh, I, I, watching Julie Andrews getting beaten to death would <laughs> have been a little jarring. Yeah. I mean, Joy would not have appreciated no, that. No, I don't, I don't She know. has her number there, and this is kind of one of the weaker depth tracks. It's just, as long as he needs me. It's, and, a, it's showcasing something that's it's actually a legitimate thing that people feel yeah know? no yeah. like the song like the lyrics and the, the point very of the much, song very much really a, works a, a girl that almost it's almost like stockholm syndrome yeah no well, in it's, an it's, abusive relationship yeah it's it's, it's, a, it's a story about a but, woman it, but it is it's super necessary however i just wish that the songwriter wouldn't have picked this as his 19th best song the way it's shot and the song itself kind of just lends to the viewer falling asleep a little bit yeah. which is a shame because and maybe that's maybe that's a point too because doesn't that voice often go unheard? Yeah, sure. It's saying something important, uh, but it's not a great vehicle for that message. I do like the scenes of conflict between Sykes and Nancy with the kids and Fagan as an audience. There's yeah. a very awkward like you two friends that are a couple having it out at like someone's birthday party. <laughs> like that's what it feels like. Yeah, so, like everyone's kind of watching. Like, oh, like should we say something? Well, should we just like leave the room? E- each of them look at those kids in a different manner. Oh yeah, I, I think I think Sykes looks at it as they're just an apparatus yeah. that we need they're in tools. order to get what I need. Fagan looks at them, and and it, it shows later in the in the movie when he he sings his own song. Should I, when he's trying to figure out should I leave? Should I should I stay? What that these are my kind of they're, they're his only friends. You know, there's only. Yeah source of of human contact and and then she's more the maternal and i think that's where you go into the i'd do anything in being crucial in developing that connection between her and the kids one most specifically her and oliver because it better gives you a reason as to why she does what she does why she does what she does why they need him back why he's important to begin with you know that his innocence is his innocence isn't just important for the good. It's important for the evil, too, because the innocent is the easiest to corrupt. And and they want in on that. She wants in on that. And Oliver's just kind of getting bounced around like a pinball. Yep. Even without the song, that point can be driven home when she's watching Oliver in court, that, where she just sees this kid just completely overwhelmed, out of his element, and she feels so sorry for him. 
that he got tangled up in this world. And she, I think she did a great job of portraying that without any dialogue or anything like that. I, I totally agree. Yeah. But and isn't though isn't doesn't that scene have more juice behind it with having seen that second verse of the I do anything? Yeah, because I guess, seeing I guess them so, connect. I, I didn't, and I'm saying I'm not saying you should scrap the song. You, you thought the court scene did it by itself? Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought I thought if you add the court it, scene it, it after this, the, their their helps. moments in that song, which I thought was beautiful. Yeah, I, I think it all just adds up. It I think it all just it adds definitely up. helped. Ali goes to the, to the market with his books here. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, did we not know things? Thank right. God. Thank God, Ali didn't do this in like. 1970s America because it, <laughs> it, would, it wouldn't end well with them with 19, with the likes 19, of uh, 1970s New York City yeah, yeah with the likes of of John Wayne Gacy running, running around <laughs> it wouldn't have worked so well for him um, yeah, you would have seen a guy in his cast trying to put textbooks in the back of his car <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that doesn't end well that's done differently in the book Nancy has a much larger role in getting Oliver they yeah. made, they softened her character a little bit. They softened her character. The other, the biggest one they softened, though, is the Dodger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because the Dodger ultimately is a rat. In the, the Dodger is, is in David Lean's, is responsible for Nancy's death. Yes, because he rats her out. And so, Chris, basically what happens in the, in the David Lean one, Nancy's trying to get Oliver back to the rich people. And a, Fag- do- a Dodger Fag- overhears her talking well, well, Fag- to well, the... Well, Fagan, Fag- yeah, Fagan has... Uh, Dodger trail Nancy and so he doesn't she she goes to meet the guy at the bridge telling him what's what's happening and then he tells that to Fagan Fagan tells that to to Bill. Sykes and he beats her to death it is I mean might be the most graphic non-graphic death scene I've ever seen in my life it's, it's, it's brutal it's like so he, he you see him start wailing with the cane and the dog is trying desperately to get out of the room and the dog the, sells that yeah, scene. Clawing, like it's on the ground, clawing at the wall, and you just hear like you just hear thuds, and they don't show anything. Like there's no blood or or you don't see any of the act. But like it is the most violent, non-violent death I've ever seen. And what you get the next? Well, then he's in the room with her, and is just in the morning with you, the corpse. You, see, the next you see her legs. Yeah, yeah. It puts the blank over, and then you get a scene where Dodger. Walks in the room and sees her corpse, right. knowing and that realizes what he did, yeah. which is, and I think Grant, you want to talk a little wire at some point here. Yeah, but this, you get like Wallace seeing the the corpse sure. on the car. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Yeah, yeah this I, I I noticed I I noticed while watching this is that there's not one for one parallels, but thematically, there are a lot of parallels with Oliver Twist and The Wire, specifically season four. Interesting. When you have the kids, the kids in the schools, right? right. Yeah, because it's a lot of it is. The system that's failed these kids, sure. right? Both law enforcement, education, all this stuff. How like public housing, group homes, how they fail these kids. These kids are on the street. The only discourse they have of making a name for themselves is through crime. So you have someone like Fagan, or you have someone, or you have someone like Marlo Stanfield, who who's come into town and just shelling out hundred dollar bills. Yeah, yeah. Trying basically buying loyalty for these kids yeah. well we get you get class systems in the wire too it's the oh, same sure. and it's the same idea it's sure. operating in the highest class is not the same as operating in the lowest class and then there's the middle class in between right. and and the governing of it and the police and the school system and how yeah. it is not so easy and i, yeah. I thought yeah. the, and, and, the wire does 
The Wire does it the best in any show because shows today tend to be too politically leaning on, on making their point. The Wire did a great job of just, it just is. keeping it real. Yeah, yeah it just it is what it <laughs> they is. They even show that, that somebody that's coming up in their own class, like uh, Stringer Bell, can only get so far. They're... they're Mm-hmm. There's yes. a there's a yeah. there's a ceiling to where he can get. Yeah. yeah. And if you try to get it past that ceiling, yeah. you're gonna get stomped down. Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, you know, so by good. bureaucracy Please. or whatever it is. Please yeah. go out there and watch the wire. Yeah, yeah it's, it's awesome. It, it's yeah, awesome. So yes. there's so there's a lot of and then like every once in a while it works out and like it worked out for Oliver, it worked out for some of the kids in the wire. But then like you have some of these kids like especially in all in Oliver Oliver, the, the musical Excellent. Like how, <laughs> how the Arthur Dodger is going to become the new Fagan, just how like Michael becomes the new Omar, yeah, and just how like Dookie becomes the new Bubbles, yeah, yeah, kind of thing, things, things yeah, like there's... that. And, like everything just kind of repeats itself. Well, that's what the, I mean. That's essentially what the Wire is. Well, yeah, honestly, no, there never, is there's never an end to it's, it. It's cyclical. It's cyclical right? Within Oliver Twist too, though, there is a playoff of: Are you a victim of the system, or are you a victim of bad luck? And can luck save you from your system? And in some characters, it it does. Right. And some characters, it doesn't. Some like, things repeat. I think there's a character, like Fagin is a good example of somebody who probably could get out of where he is. I mean, he has the box full of priceless items and, yeah. and, and all yeah. this stuff. He could get out. But then he decides, you know, he makes it, uh, you know, we'll get to it. But which, he, he makes a decision that he likes it. Which brings know? us to our next point here, because he himself has to... Review his situation, yeah. and that's the next big number. And yeah. he's reviewing the situation. Maybe I'll yeah. go find myself a wife. Yeah, I love and, it. And another, he finds reasons to not pursue a normal life because he, just, right. he, he loves. That's right. He loves his life so much. He loves the game. He'll, he'll man. find. Yeah, he loves the game. Why didn't we come into this just saying we were going to compare Oliver to the Wire? I didn't realize it was a thing until he said it, and now he's right. I didn't either. I think it is essentially Avon Barksdale. I mean. He he enjoys the game. He's different than Stringer Bell, where he wants to be in the game. He, I want my he, corners. The game is the yeah. important part. Yeah, not, he doesn't care about the money. Really, yeah. he has a the stuff. Of, he could get out and have a regular a life. Lot, yeah. He doesn't want it. There's a a lot, lot of it's the yeah. sport. The sport of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The game and is the game. So the game the, is the game. The reviewing the situation song is fantastic, and and yeah, the, I, I, I really love that's that. a great song. I, Just, and, and his performance sells it. The 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 faces he's making, the the dancing. I, I just I think that guy's great. Moving from inside to outside, back, back to inside, yeah. very smart. Ron, Ron Moody, to the owl. Ron yeah. Moody, <laughs> oh, love the owl. Ron yeah. Moody is is an all star as far as this movie, the acting and the dancing and the singing. Goes yeah, in this movie, I, I thought he was fucking awesome. We we go into expedition dump mode, and this is just Br- Brunlow's character is now sees the painting, and all of a sudden, this painting that somebody drew for him. <laughs> Years ago, is his niece, but then he he connects the niece to the kid. If we're gonna s- just suddenly notice that the kid looks like the painting, could you at least maybe stick the kid in between the painting? Yeah, and your view, you know, where he just, you're turning around, and you're like, you know what, you look a little bit like that painting on the wall over there. Maybe that's maybe they had the painting first, and they looked for five thousand kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. That's like, we finally found like, oh, one. This kid looks just like it. That, he's saying no. Can makes, he act? No. Ah, fuck it. Uh, that probably makes the most sense of anything we've said tonight. Or they, they, I mean, they could have easily is, they could have easily fixed this in the courtroom, right? There so, could have been something. They could have recognized it earlier. It's, yeah, it's just, yeah. It seems odd that he just, in the random the middle of the day after the just kid's been living there, it. and like, the kid's yeah. been living there forever, 
where this painting's been on the wall, and just yeah, all and, of a sudden and, he's, he, you know, with the kid behind him, he looks around and just sees, oh, yeah. Because it would also painting. explain why he took him in the first place. In the in the book, he the kid looks familiar to him immediately when he sees right. when he sees the kid when he sees the kid get apprehended. He's like, that kid looks like that kid looks like him. Great, really familiar. That's that makes yeah. the most sense. And That's how it should have been. There's right. the trouble in adaptation, though, is you can easily do that in the book because you get everyone's thoughts on the page. Right. I think they we have the book. It. We have the book on the table here. Too. Well, let me let me oh, find it. Let me let's get this. Uh, here we go. Um, it, yeah, no, we, we, this is a. That's oh, a there it book. is. <laughs> that's a big you know, book. A I, big I, book. I, they could have easily done that. I think they could have done that in, in, in a in a minute scene. They they could have made that work. So I want to talk about the the closing scene here, where, where Sykes has uh, has him captured, and we talked about yeah. the beating of Nancy in the David Lean right. version. In this one, we get it more that he intercepts her trying to give Oliver back. It's, right. it's, it seems he, it seems he, a lot more like a crime of passion oh, yeah. than like and, a premeditated. And, uh, yeah, and, are we gonna go over the the the, the song before? It's yeah, because uh, I, I, I really she, like that. Yeah, she's exiting oh, I, him from I the bar. I did not like that song. Oompapa. Oompapa. You did not like Oompapa. Oh, I loved Oompapa. I also liked Oompapa. I, I, I would I, like to sing it right now. No, it's <laughs> uh, think, you know, go for the, it. This is your There's time. The microphone. This is your time. What didn't you like about that? I I thought it was just like, uh uh, we need another song. Well, well I don't that's, agree. Well, that's I also part agree. of the story, though. But, no, she needs it's, it's the song not, to distract. Yeah, it's Here, not really part of the story. Here's, yep, it is. Okay, though. all right. Well, here's what I'll what I'll say. There, there could there first could of be all, a, mir- I liked, a myriad of distractions other than that song. Well, in the lean version, they're in a bar and they're all singing bar songs, and that's how she's able to to get the kid out. So this one just incorporates right. her starting a song. Well, she didn't start it. it. It's being, it was started and she magnifies it. I thought it was a little bit of a play on a musical where you kind of, they're singing and she's like, all right, well, let me get this for you. Okay, it's oompa-pa, oompa-pa, da-da-da. All right, let me think of a verse. Okay, here we go. Now I'm going to come in there hot. Oompa-pa. Yeah. You know, and, and she hijacks the song. Like we see Fagin uh, right. hijack the song earlier and then turns into this whole big thing. Everyone's going. Of course, Sykes isn't singing. He's just sitting there drinking. Well, Sykes, Sykes and Fagin are talking. They, they, right. they're, they, yeah, they're doing don't, they don't notice it even though the entire establishment is up on a table. Like It's like, well, I, I know. Yeah. It's a part of a musical thing, but I'm just like, aren't, how can they even have a conversation? It's very loud. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I've, I've, any one of us have done it in a noisy bar before. <laughs> I guess that's um, a good point. I mean, it's a, you know, yeah, Sykes, Sykes and, DJ Dimwit up on the, <laughs> the thing. Just, <laughs> you, just, you just cut to Sykes and like Fagan talking to each other about like, now I rob the place. And, and, like, yeah. Manchester's way better than Manchester City. <laughs> <laughs> they actually do okay. a whole scene like that in the Social Network when they're talking in the club, and he's like he's talking about the yeah. uh, the, the Victoria's Secret. Uh, you can, you can uh, barely you can barely hear it. You yeah. can yeah. barely hear it. Yeah. So they are doing the same thing essentially yeah. in, a, in a great movie. So yeah. Now the the beating of Nancy to death again. They geify it in this a little bit. Yeah, I, I, it's well, pretty, it's she, great. She, she, the moving. She could, she could be in 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 the the world of Oliver with an exclamation point. Mm-hmm. She could still be alive. She was moving, right. dude. I in mean, this movie, I think it's assumed that she probably isn't dead. I don't. Know. I mean, they talk I, I as if it, she was. Yeah. I think they just kind of leave it gray. Although they, the I mean, they do kids movie. I mean, spoiler alert: they do kill Sykes five minutes later. I mean, yeah. Well, so let's talk that's about different because he's the bad guy. Yeah, yeah but, exactly. But, but killing exactly. in a G movie? We're talking about a G movie. Yeah, but I mean, Scar dies in Lion King, you know? 
Yeah, sorry, and you gotta spoil Gast- that. For- <laughs> Gaston dies. Everyone dies. Yeah, I mean the villain usually well, dies. It, it, I mean movies. Disney is. But you don't see Gaston's corpse. Like just- Scar, Scar gets eaten alive by hyenas. Yeah, but that's all. Walt, Walt Disney is it's a shadow. <laughs> Walt Disney is a serial killer. He kills every parent that ever lived in any story. <laughs> My wife goes crazy about it. Like, why do they have to kill a parent every single movie? Like, why do they have to do that? Sykes' death, though, and again, this is another scene that's done so much better in the Lean Virgin. Yes. The the angry mob looks angry. fucking angry and yeah. and like unruly Frank, like, like and like the mob in Oliver looks like you know hey, in, yeah, you it looks like a, it looks like a PTA meeting that got out of hand. Sykes is up on the on the roof and one guy pulls out his handheld BB gun and hits him in the heart and he just instantly dies. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's a typical. The by the way, that guy's, a, that guy's a crack shot, by the way. What a I mean, shot. Geez, you know, those, that and one, those, uh, those 1830s pistols are notoriously inaccurate. It's just not exactly like uh, you know, like Barry Pepper and Saving Private <laughs> Ryan, you know, just like doing the sign of the cross and just picking yeah. out one guy after another here. Jeez. Dude, in the lean one. No, no. Mm-hmm. In the lean one, he gets shot, and as he's dying... He falls and the rope goes around his neck. Yeah, he, he has oh. a noose around his neck as he's climbing oh, wow. for some reason. Yeah, he ties a rope around the chimney. And he falls with it around his neck. And like you can see like a like Looney Tunes style, everyone like watches their head goes down as he falls and it's just like, it's yeah, like oh wow. Yeah, it's yeah, it's much more graphic. There were little allusions to nooses throughout this whole movie. Did you notice yeah, that? Yeah, like, I did this, notice this, that. It's in the lyrics, like hidden in the lyrics and songs, and there's just like Sometimes they'll just there's, be in the ropes, background. Ropes little the ropes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very interesting. And well, because yeah, the whole time Fagan's worried about getting hanged. Final scenes here and how they end this movie. Uh, we get Fagan and the Dodger. Oh, oh, I can't quit you moment. I can't uh, quit you. I, I, loved I loved it. it. I loved it. I, I did too. I, mean, come I did too. On. I, I, I honestly wanted. I want a sequel. I want to know what happens with yeah, them. I want to know what they're up to. Next. Yeah. Them. Well, we we didn't talk about Fagan. And the kids fleeing, right? They flee yeah. because of all the hoopla. Mm-hmm. They have to flee there. He loses his treasures in the swamp. And he loses yeah. his, all his secret all his treasures. Now, I rewatched this a couple times. Come on, bro. Grab it. Do What's some DDP yoga, first of all, and be able to go press a balance beam. He, he takes one step on the balance beam and loses everything he's holding. I mean, yeah. this guy is klutz. I, I will be honest with you. I would be in that mud so fucking quick. I, I'd be jumping in there. You'd be waist deep. Yeah. I'd be waist deep trying yeah. to grab that stuff. And, bro, I saw, you you do, I saw you do pirouettes with an umbrella earlier in this movie. You tell That's me right. you can't walk past a balance beam. Like, come on, <laughs> Come yeah. on now with that. Uh, so, but anyway, he loses his stuff. Fine. Fair enough. He's, he's down to zero. He's got nothing. He could have grabbed that crown too. He really definitely. Oh, go to the oh my god! It, yeah. It's like so slow. I'm like, oh, dude, oh no! Are you kidding? He was just—he was in full-blown Rose Titanic mode of just yeah. letting the letting the shit sink into exactly. the sea. But he's down to zero, and that's that's cool. And then you know he's like, "What am I gonna do?" And then, uh, and then he sees the, the Dodger, Dodger comes. Now along. there's a a fun little play with the audience on this too, because the stage play, which was very popular at the time, I'm I mean, sure. They, they credit Lionel Bart with basically rejuvenating British theater. Huh. Uh, and, you know, yeah. he had done a couple other things too, but but this is the big one. So, but that was super popular. And the play ends with Fagin going off into the sunset and letting the audience wonder if he'll start a new life or not. Right. So the Dodger interrupting him was yeah. anyone who had seen the play. They thought that's how it was going to end. Yeah, they, yeah. they weren't ready for that. And that's why it kind of right. like pops up out of nowhere. They're like, oh shit, what's this extra yeah. scene? I really um, liked it. I liked it too. 
great. And, uh, and you can see how he did not have the emotional connection with the boys that, that Nancy did where, um, excuse me, who are you? You know, can you, uh, have I met your acquaintance? Yeah. And he just, Dodger just shows him the wallet. It's the line. It, line. Yeah. And then they go into the song. And, and then dancing into well, the, into well, the, Gary, what's a sunrise. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I want to get clear. You, so you're, are you thinking, what do you mean by he didn't have the, I thought he was doing that to like, kind of like, I don't know you. Like, like I thought he was pretending. It was. Didn't know. I think he's playing a game. It was, it was right? a, it was a, we're, we're done here. We're done. We're over. I don't like, we're not boys. Like we're not like right. I don't. Okay. Yeah, you're not. So you're not. Oh, yeah, okay. you're not with me. I'm not with you. You're not getting any favors. Yeah. Who are you go again? away. And he's yeah. like, Who are you? But are you sure? You know, like yeah. I got this. And, and, he, and then when he shows him the wall, he, he goes, he can't, he can't leave the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the partnership yeah, goes exactly. I, I really thought that and, was a clever way to end that relationship. And them dancing into a silhouette into the yeah. the sunrise because it, it also shows that Dodger was the real deal. Like he he was suited for that life. Yeah, where yeah. Twist definitely wasn't, and, and maybe some of the other kids weren't either, but that kid was. You know, the end credits goofy to me. Like, I don't mean the ensemble reprise. I mean, like, Oliver hugging his family on a well, It is called home. Oliver. I know, but it was just, I don't like how it was yeah. edited. I, I have issues with the editing. Yeah. It was just, we get this great Fagan Dodger scene. I guess this, this, yeah, the yeah. part that loves dark movies in me was that dark <laughs> shot. You know, I'm the same yeah. way, yeah. Um, so you do have to end. You have to do end it with Oliver. I guess. So before we do our BPC awards, as we do every episode, we're going to talk about our if you liked Oliver recommends. So we do this now. It's a new thing we're doing here. If you watched Oliver and you uh, dug it, or maybe you just watched Oliver and you need something to go ne- to next, we're each going to give a movie that we uh, would steer you in that direction. At first, I was going to recommend David Lean's Oliver Twist, but since we just talked about the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Give every possible spoiler there is. Um, see that if you haven't. But uh, my, I guess my my child-friendly musical about unruly kids recommendation is Newsies. Oh, boy. Okay. If you haven't seen it, I know people around our age, in their late 30s or so, probably all have all seen it because it's just what we grew up on. Uh, it's on Disney+, Plus, streaming for free. Christian Bale. Duval. Robert Duvall, that's right. Bill Pullman, well worth a watch. One of Brendan B's choices in the uh, the sub fifty corner right. this year, and that's in... right. Did not did not fare as well as I as I thought it would. Uh, okay, so I kind of have two, but for two totally different reasons. Like I'm, I'm just gonna do it real quick. So I, I picked a musical one, and I picked one for uh, basically based on Oliver and Company. So I'll start there. So I know we haven't talked about it much yet, but uh, Oliver and Company we we watched. It's the twist story. Um, it's 80s Disney, which is a rough period for them. So I thought it'd be cool if you, if anybody's interested in like Disney and their history. There's actually a really great documentary called uh, Waking Sleeping Beauty, which is really cool. And it's talking about how they they had success early. 80s was a tough run, and then they how they came back. Hmm. Uh, so I thought that would be an interesting thing for people if they're interested. It's really good, right? You guys both. Seen uh, it. I have not. Oh, it's really good. Yeah. Well, I yeah. couldn't recommend it more. It's yeah. just it's, it's really incredibly captivating yeah. television. Yeah. I mean, okay. I'm not a huge documentary guy in general. I mean, that one sucks you, and, and okay. it's just yeah. you get great. Yeah, great. waking sleep, sleeping beauty for and, sure. And it covers a lot of things that you we're all going to remember as just growing up at Disney. Sure. Know, like, so it's really yeah. cool. We'll, and we'll talk when we talk uh, animated at the end here. We'll that'll be applying to that too yeah, for sure. Definitely. Uh, and then. I had to pick a musical, and I'm not a musical guy, and I had to go completely opposite of where we've been going with musicals uh, so far. This is a new one. 2018 is uh, it's called Anna and the Apocalypse. 
Well, uh, I've never it's, heard a, of this. it's a zombie apocalypse musical. If there was going to be a musical for Chris, that sounds that's like my musical. Yeah, and it, it, I, it's fantastic. The songs are really good. It's not like the best movie I've ever seen, but it's a musical. It's modern. It's about fucking zombies, which okay. is awesome. Yeah. So very cool. Yeah, very cool. Um, so I, as I mentioned earlier, I my runner up for for recommend here was the Great Muppet Caper. Same cinematographer as Oliver. Anyone who's familiar with a Muppet movie will That's understand awesome. what they're trying to do. But there's a real spoof on musicals in there and spoof okay. on okay. where there's they break the fifth wall where there's points in the plot where they're like, all right, well, come on, guys. You got to let this character do his thing. He hasn't had his arc yet. You know, like they, yeah. like, they kind of talk to the audience a little bit. But there's uh, some fun musical scenes in there with that. So, I, I again, another one that was on a lot as a kid. So I, I relived that one recently and uh, got a kick out of it. It's on Disney Plus. But that was my runner up here. I guess we're just all doing the sneak two into one spot. Uh, sorry. I know, <laughs> man. I'm sorry. I went kind of the the modern kids in poverty angle here. And in no way is this a musical. However, it does take place at Disney World. Uh, I went with uh, The Florida Project. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. It's uh, starring Willem Dafoe, who we talked about in the Platoon episode a couple weeks ago. Willem Dafoe manages an apartment complex, which kind of doubles as a motel and uh, low-income housing. It's kind of seedy, right? Uh, Yeah, it's like a seedy low-income housing slash motel area outside of, on the outskirts of Disney World in Florida. And it follows uh, a single mother and her basically unruly daughter who's more or less the the linchpin of the of the kids that live in that complex and you get a, a a feel of the kids kind of governing themselves in the community and the mom trying to make things work there's definitely some pickpocketing going on so Ooh, you get a little uh cool. little that going on dodges. they're not pickpocketing handkerchiefs and mm. pocket watches they're pickpocketing Cash, baby. Disney, <laughs> Disney magic wristbands. Oh, but, yeah. yeah. Those, those are, those are <laughs> worth big money. Yeah. Holy they're, shit. They're worth more than any cash I've ever had. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah so uh, it, it fits. It's on Netflix. It's a quick watch. It's not the easiest watch, but it's um, it's rewarding. Yeah, that, uh, that I, one's been on my radar for a yeah, while. I, I would yeah, I would highly recommend that. So that that's that's great. Right. Have you seen that one? I've not. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've heard been, of it. Heard, heard, heard it's great. And it's great. been on my list for a while. Awesome performance from Willem Dafoe. Another one he could have gotten his Oscar for. Sure. sure. So we're going to the BPC Awards now. Uh, this is our uh, our shtick here, <sighs> and we start with MVP. I guess Chris will have you go first. Cool. For MVP. I, I this is a hard one for me. There was a couple I I, I could have chose. I know I've been I've been really uh, vocal over really loving Ron Moody as Fagan, but I didn't pick him. Uh, I picked Anna White, okay. choreographer. The choreographer. Yeah. It really mesmerized me I, right away from the minute the movie started. I was like, "Whoa! Like this is intense. Like yeah. there's a lot going on here." Mm. And I just I I thought of all the jobs in this movie, that was got to be had to be the toughest one. And, yeah, and. Uh, so I picked her. Uh, her, right? They created an Oscar <laughs> award for her this year, which yeah. they don't do every year. They did it for Gene Kelly and American Wait, in Paris they, year, and they did it for Toy Story, too. Right. For this the, is an honorary award. Yeah, it was an honorary yeah. award. Basically, yeah. we didn't have a category for you, so here's a statue. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it's hard to deny that that, I, for me, for me, yeah. anyway. Yeah. So that's what Grant, your MVP. My MVP is uh, Ron Moody. Yeah. Still, okay. Yeah. I mean, it was it's, hard. I yeah, almost chose it's, him, too. Uh, his, his presence was so so great yeah. it's hard it's hard to deny that yeah he, he's his portrayal was mesmerizing to me I, I couldn't take my eyes off of it yeah i was looking for him to be on the screen every time yeah you know and i'll say this too is where musicals 
at the Oscars kind of usually get hyped on the curve. You know, they maybe get a little rewarded a little more than they should, where comedies kind of get rewarded less than they yeah. should. But that being said, performances within musicals are harder to justify for Oscar award-winning roles. Yeah. And I think that he really kind of broke out of the, the yeah, mold with that. I think it, great. it helped a lot that he had been on the stage performance. Uh, yeah, mean, we talked about that with Paul yeah. Schofield, too, in, yeah. in Man for All Seasons. You can tell he has that Broadway feel to his performance, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so for me, I think that when we're talking Oliver with an exclamation point. Oliver. I mean, the music really is the MVP here. I mean, it, it, I mean it's it just, is, it's the yeah. thing that makes me want to watch this movie. I mean, if, if the song stunk, I wouldn't want to watch this movie. It's yeah. really what it comes down to. But, Lionel Bart's songs, the songs aren't independent to this movie, so you can't really say that the songs are the MVP of the movie because they existed before the movie and they're just not, so I can't, I can't go that route with it. Lionel Bart, who wrote all the songs, basically, he sounds like he was like a wild socialite and just like, he, he, yeah. all the descriptions of him sounds like he was a real life Austin Powers. Okay. Where he just like, dun, 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 <laughs> and he was not allowed anywhere near the set of this movie. Like, <laughs> Carol Reed was like, he is not allowed on the That's premises. So funny. He cannot talk to any of the actors. He cannot get, he was forbidden from coming That's anywhere so near funny. this. And I just, I, all the descriptions I read of him, I just pictured Austin Powers, like, just coming in. Yeah, baby, yeah, baby. it's Oliver, baby. Dun, 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 dun. He can't be the MVP because he had nothing to do with the movie other than his songs were used. I actually also went with Anna White, Chris. Um, oh, really? As my MVP, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, I thought the choreography just popped. Oh. And I thought it it did as I did as good of the storytelling as the songs or the script did. Yeah, and, and just the little subtleties like uh, like like I said, they make the horse out of his jacket, or yeah. or the uh, another uh, where they use the uh, umbrella for the wheels. I was like, it, they use a lot of clever little tricks to, the, the, to make it really pop off the, the screen. The choreography never stopped in this one. She yeah. never took a break. Every no. single moment, there was something going on. Uh, I I don't know if you guys know the answer to this. How much of the choreography was from the play? I, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good okay. question. That's I don't know. Really good question. And um, I probably should have looked into that more, but I just kind of viewed that honorary Oscar as that someone recognizing something. Okay. That's something specific yeah. to this film. Okay. Because again, none of the songs were nominated because they weren't eligible because they weren't original to the original. film. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of it was taken from the stage. Yeah, I, I, I just imagine. wasn't sure. Yeah, I, yeah, that's I, a good question. Yeah, I mean, I, I would know. think that probably the segments were already laid out for them, but what right. they did with them. Okay. LVP. Let's let her ring here. Mark Lester. Okay. That's my LVP. Yep. We yeah, covered just, it pretty yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. Chris, you're going the same route. No. Oh, no, wow. No, okay. no. All right. I thought I was going to be breaking well, the, uh, the mold here. Well, only because I knew that was the obvious choice. I, okay, I but you like, agree that he's... Absolutely. You know, Grant, Grant has the number one. I mean, that's I, the number one pick in the draft. Yeah. <laughs> I, I laid my argument as to why I don't think he's the LVP, because I think there yeah. is... I think it was a choice. You know, I, I said my piece. I doesn't mean piece. it was a good choice, yeah. And yeah I, I, I think it got away from him. I, yeah, yeah. I agree it got away from him. Uh, I picked, other than him, there there was a lot of good performances and a lot of good stuff going on. I picked Nancy's bangs as the LVP. <laughs> uh, it really bothered me the entire movie. Like, you did it, not like the knockoff. The the knockoff Julie Andrews hairdo. I didn't. Yeah. Okay. It, it, it aged her about ten years. It was so unnecessary. I, I, don't, I just didn't like it at all. It bothered. It couldn't take my eyes off of it the entire time. Long, long, beautiful <laughs> blonde hair with short, short bangs is not a good look. I'm just, just so guys, funny. come on, let's get it together. So basically, you didn't want to, you didn't want to beat up on the cute kid that no, because <laughs> you knew we were all gonna pick him. Exactly. So. I yeah, that yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> Right boot. Yeah, right boot. The dagger on it. 
Uh, my LVP was actually uh, Mr. Brownlow in this one. Okay. Uh, I thought he carried little to no emotional weight. I thought he was an exposition dump machine, just siphoned into this movie because he needed to be there because of the source material. I didn't see any value in his role other than completing the story. And okay. um, whereas I thought there were some artistic choices with Mark Lester's portrayal of Oliver, uh, I understand him as LVP. I would think that if we're going to family feud this, that's going to be your number one answer for sure. That's the... Um... That's a tiebreaker yeah. question. Right. There's only yes. like one answer. You got to get the, the number yeah. one answer. Yeah. And and the the Charlie Kelly answer is probably her bangs, like <laughs> <laughs> the nightman. <laughs> honorable mention. Um, my honorable mention is the uh, set design. That was it was. I, I don't know who exactly was in charge of that, but whoever the team was, uh, did a killer job. A massive, massive undertaking that looks incredible. Yeah. Looks really incredible. Yeah, no, yeah. Great. Okay, so the cinematography and specifically the, the color saturation of the movie, just the look of the movie, the the, it, the color palette is it's, it's, yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah, it's really awesome. it, it, it it was close to looking as like a modern movie, like yeah. a, like a, yeah, a just, movie that would come out now. Yeah. and I was really taken with that. So I think that needs to be uh, at least mentioned. I'm not bringing anything new to the table too. I'm with you, Grant. My honorable mention. My uh, participation award was also the set design yeah. and the only reason it wasn't the mvp is because i just thought that the yeah. other edge down the race normally we frown upon that as the the runner-up for mvp shouldn't be your honorable mention you throw it but here we are kind of picking uh extraneous uh sources here so and, and, I, if, if i have to, to get mentioned it if i have to, to throw it. a shout out beyond that yeah i will go oliver reed yeah uh, he, was, for his, he was he was up there yeah, his menacing too. portrayal yeah, of good. um yeah just completely you know, just completely separate from everything else in the movie, yes. but it worked out really well. Yeah, he was a G-rated yeah. Anton Chigurh. Yeah, that's true. That's it's a good way to put it. It's Mr. Blonde and Annie. <laughs> yeah, okay. that's right. You're from Mr. Mr. Blonde. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, so this is our musical category here. Song of the movie. I'll go first just because I, I've pretty much said it as we did it. I thought that I'd do anything was the song of the movie. I thought it was the peak of putting out good music. I don't think I thought it was the core of the movie. I'd do anything would be the song of the movie. You're a big Simple Plan fan? <laughs> Did you think that was going to be the opening for the... Uh... <laughs> oh, God. I'm actually not a Simple Plan fan. So <laughs> no, like, sorry. Yeah. That's going to make us lose visitors. I don't think... Lose listeners. I don't think there's a big Simple Plan army out there. Yeah, uh, okay. You would be very surprised. Yeah, this the entire most, generation of them. hot right now. My best song is Reviewing the Situation. Reviewing? It's, uh, it's a great... It's a great song, delivered really well. Great use of space of the set. I think it's yeah, cool. and it, and also just it furthers along his character development and his arc, which is something I look for in musicals. All right, good. We we all pick different ones. Great. So, uh, I, but I also picked a uh, a Ron Moody vehicle. <laughs> Mine was uh, you got to pick a popcorn too. My, pick a pop cool. I brought it up several times. It's it, it just it brought me. It really sucked me into the movie. I love the performance. Uh, it's awesome. I've been singing it for days. Like I it's just catchy. think it's awesome. And it's it's funny. I, I found a crooner version of it that I almost opened the podcast oh, with, but uh, and I, I had it set. But then I heard that really like sold out jazzy version yeah. of uh, reviewing yeah. the situation. So I went with that instead. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think the music in this movie. It's a shame that a lot of it's gone forgotten because I do think it, it, well, I think there would be a great like modern band cover album. Oh, Kieran, you're you're nailing something <laughs> that I have coming. It has to do with the recast. So oh, okay, all right, that okay. that works. Okay, 
What was the worst song of this one there? Oh, it's easy. Okay. What's yours? As Long As He Needs Me. It's the worst song. Me, yeah. It's the worst song in the movie. We already talked about it. Mine is uh, Boy For Sale. <laughs> like how it aged. I fucking yeah, hate that. Yeah, this is Boy For Sale. <laughs> Only five guineas. I'll give you three pence. That's too much. I just thought it all. You're really breaking my balls, sir. <laughs> yeah. Come on, I thought, I thought we had a deal here. You're a welcher. Yeah. I don't uh, need this shit. It's ridiculous. Yeah, like, no, that's, that, that's ridiculous. You can't just spike the GameStop stock because you're a da-da-da. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I would like to change my answer to, to Grant's. <laughs> You can't oh triple stamp a double stamp, Lloyd. We've been doing this years on Wall Street ourselves. How dare you try it on Robin Hood? <laughs> that is that is the song that scared me the most because I thought the entire movie was going to be that. Like, yeah, I mean the the, so the shot with the snow and stuff is cool. Like, I yeah, got, you know, it was, it was shot garbage. Well. Like, yeah, yeah, Grant's. Right. You didn't snap a finger or two there, boy. for sale. Three shillings. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll give you three shillings, two pounds. The musically, the worst song is is Chris's. As long as he needs me, just to do, but I I liked its placement within the story. It made yeah, sense. Yeah, that's that's the, the right. one yeah. that I'm just gonna go from. Like if I'm an editor cutting a track that that's gonna come out later on the extended album, you know, or maybe <laughs> like we'll B track it later. I can't let go of Grant. <laughs> sorry, I, just, I can't. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Oh, it's so bad. Oh my god. Wait, I'm sorry. sorry yeah. I'm so if, I, if I'm if I'm taking one off the album and adding it to the to the bonus album that you have to buy, the it's going to be the be size. back soon. Be back soon. Okay. Just it just yeah. came too close to the to the A track. Yeah, it, yeah, just yeah. Some cool choreography and stuff, but that's nothing different than what the rest of the movie was showing. So scene of the movie, Grant. Um, mine is the scene when um, Sykes brings Oliver back to the hideout. That whole thing where Sykes wanted to beat up Oliver and Nancy gets involved and Sykes like chokes out Fagan you know the whole chicken squawking thing yeah because that because that, that to me felt like the most like the the lean version uh it was the darkest it was very heavy I, I just I liked it yeah I've never heard the word avaricious so many times in a week yeah, <laughs> every version of this stupid story. You avaricious old fool. You avaricious skeleton. Yeah, it's, it's said in every adaptation of this. I mean, it's, how could you not? It's such a yes. great term. Great, great choice. Uh, my my scene of the movie is is also my song. I do anything, song scene okay. together for me. So okay, good. it's not my favorite scene. It's I think it's the best scene in the movie that does the most, and I think it's the the workhouse scene of the, the first. The first yeah, big I mean, number. It just it it tells you what's going on in the story. Brings you it, into the world. It brings you in the world. It's a huge number musically and 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 uh, uh, dance. You know, chore choreography. It just sets the tone for the rest of the movie. I think it's the most important scene in the movie. So yeah, I can't argue with it. Again, it's one. Family Feud answer. You know, yeah, the number one answer is it's the it's the please, big sir. it's the big scene. Like, yeah, it's yeah. the one that brought me into it. So can't argue with it. I just think that's the one. Quotes. We that's of course I get my quote with the within the song. My, my quote, song, and scene were all the same thing. So. <laughs> Consistent. My quote is um, a little bit of an interaction. This is after the "I'll Do Anything" song. Dodger tries to get a little bit of uh, the food from Nancy's basket. Nancy smacks his hat off and he goes to pick it up. Fagin kicks him in the ass, knocks him down. He's like, What was that for? He's like, You got caught. 
<laughs> and like, you, know, you, think, you think he's gonna, you think he's gonna get, you know, punished for like, you know, for acting a fool. But it's just like, you know, you know better than this. Like, yeah. why, why are you getting caught like this? Yeah, that's a good one. Just a little, I, bit, I laughed at that just a little bit of charm. Because Chris, your quote? Did you have a quote? Yeah, oh, sure do. Okay. Uh, we we already referenced it earlier, but uh, this is the one I had written down. Uh, boy, Fagin, this sausage is moldy. <laughs> Fagin. <laughs> Shut up and drink your gin. I mean, that actually is the one. Yeah. Be like, well, well done. <laughs> Shut up and drink your gin. What? It's like, oh, like they just say right there, all the kids are shit faced. Kieran, I literally, I literally was watching it. And I was like, <laughs> I, I, this is what I went to myself I, out loud. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and then I rewound it and watched it again. <laughs> you say, you say, gin, gin. <laughs> Excuse me, what? What was that? Oh my god! Oh my goodness! That that's oh, wild. We needed to like, for that second. Like, was, was that just? <laughs> was that just like? Was that slang for juice back then? I don't know. Time machine recast is where we take any person, any time. We stick them in the DeLorean. We send them to 1968. We put them in the musical Oliver with an exclamation point. <clears throat> Oliver, where did we go here, Grant? Mine is. Uh, Tom Holland as Oliver. Tom Holland is the is Spider-Man, mm-hmm. the current Spider-Man, but when he was a child, when he was younger, he was also in the musical production of Billy Elliot. So he knows how to dance, he knows how to sing. I think he's a better actor than Mark Lester. Yeah, I'll go next. Um, I recast my LVP. I recast Mr. Brownlow, <clears throat> which is, I guess, Oliver's grandpa or his Grand, uh, great uncle. Great uncle. Great yeah. uncle. Wanted to put a British person in this spot. You should. But I'm going to go with a Canadian instead. It seems like a good... <laughs> go with a Canadian instead, and it is someone I'm going to partially pay homage to right now because he passed away this past week. We don't even necessarily need the time machine. It is Christopher Plummer. Oh, and yeah. uh, I think he'll bring a little warmth to that character. He will make you care a little more about Oliver's destination at the end of this movie, where it's sure. not just kind of generic rich people taking him in. And yeah, so Christopher Plummer That's cool. in that role. Chris, you're recasting. I'm excited right. for this one. I uh, I have a whole universe around <laughs> this idea. So This, uh, is, a, this is a Brendan B. recast. Yeah, right. <laughs> Jesus. I don't know. We'll see. And this might go over the heads of some listeners because this isn't a band that's like super popular. Okay. But I'm going to recast Fagin. Even though I loved him, I, I, but all I could think of was this person. And his name is Eugene Hutes. And he's the lead singer of a band called Gogol Bordello. Grant, are you familiar with them? I'm not. They are a gypsy punk band. Okay. And they do the song, it's, their, their famous song is uh, Start Wearing Purple. He, he sounds a, a bit like the Count from uh, Sesame Street. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> I, I, you have my attention? <laughs> he would be perfect in the Fagin role. Okay. He, he even looks the part. He has a very gypsy... like. I mean, it, it, he, his well, look Fagin, is... Well, Fagin looks very gypsy-like, Well, too, that's, yeah. that would be the thing. He has the mustache and, and a, okay. kind of a creepy look. The whole band... Karen, you're familiar with them, right? I am not, though. This is new. Google Burdell. Oh, damn. See, this isn't landing as well as I had hoped... Because you guys don't know who they are. Hey, you got listeners. Look them up and watch this movie and put it together. They could do the entire, every musical piece. They, this band could do it and it would be amazing. So they could like relaunch this on stage and turn it That's like what a, I was like thinking. A, yeah, yeah like I was a, thinking they could do it almost like as a stage show. Like, like a modern like rock. A rock musical. Rock opera. Rock, rock opera. opera. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, anyway, any, cool. any fans of Gogo Bordello will be psyched that I said that. So, so I think, like, if this were to be redone in modern bands, like, I think they missed the boat, probably. There's not really bands anymore. I think the best the best time would have been, There's like... There's not bands anymore. No, nah, not really. Like, it, like <laughs> I think, like... They're all TikTokers. Like, early 2000s, like, new metal era was the best time to remake this. Like, into the emo era would have been the best time to just kind of go track by track. I don't know. You know? I, th- I think there's, a, there's an indie hipster thing that could work. True. Yeah. I still think new metal and demo would have would have been best. If you do like Limp Biscuit in there, you know, you gotta pick a pocket of two. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think that would work for See, dirt. that's yeah. where my Gogo Bordello, that, that specific song really applies. You do three eleven, you know. Yeah. Gonna review the situation. I I think it works. You and you know Sister Down could do Oompapa. Um, up, up, oh, they up, would be up, really good. That's a good one. Goes. Yeah, well, that's yeah. Everyone knows. You know, that, yeah, yeah, that would be good. good. That would be good. Okay, we're going to put this movie, Oliver with an exclamation point, into the BPC calculator here. Three categories, performances, how the movie was shot, and how the movie was told, themes, stories, whatnot. Yeah. One to five, one being not anywhere close to something that would be considered a Best Picture winner. Five being a slam dunk, best picture winner quality. We start with performances. One to five. Chris, I'll have you go first. Jeez. I mean, it's not easy. Performances, I, I think, other than Oliver himself, I mean, it's pretty solid. I, I would give it a three. Three is uh, even just, a four, maybe. I, I don't know. It's, it's hard. I, I'm going to give it a three. Give it a three. three. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to give it a three also. Um, there's some great performances, some weak ones. You kind of balance it out. And overall, yeah, it's good. Yeah, uh, and for me, I, and this is just in talking to the girls about Braveheart last week, where I kind of came upon this this concept, is that to me, five Perfect. should be given all the awards. Like, the, like yeah. give it yeah. actor, actress, supporting, right. give it give it to them. Four is like, nominate them, but don't award them. Three is fine performances, but I don't see any, I don't see any reason to give them nominees. Two is, Bad. I better not see anyone nominated. Right. And one is, like, why are you bringing up anything right. close to awards? Right. And so I think a four is fair for me here. I think, I think they, got nominated, yeah. they got nominated. They got nominated. If I want to take on the ensemble, and, like, honestly, like, as far as, like, the larger chorus ensemble, yeah. have we covered a movie that's been better in that? Yeah, ad, right. As far right. as just, like, the, the no-namers? The, the, the amount of extras and other people that are in it and like, there was never a point where i saw someone in the background dicking around not doing their job right, like, exactly. literally everyone yeah. in the background was yeah. on point so yeah not a five yeah. i don't need them to get a to, to get awards but four four and uh the dog acting was better in david lean's oh the choice. dog is incredible the dog is arguably the mvp of the david Lean. dog <laughs> acting is was, i've never seen such a I've never, I've never seen better dog acting he would easily been my uh my participation award yeah yeah, yeah. How it's shot, how the movie shot, yeah. how it's filmed. Uh, Grant? I, I'd give it a four. I give it a four. It, it did. It did some interesting things. Nothing that was extraordinary, but it was some clever use of camera work, the camera movement. Yeah, I, I, I think I think it was a very good effort. So we're obviously taking into consideration the time period in which it was made and all sure. that stuff. Sixties. Yeah, uh, I think it's. A, I think it's a five. I think should have won for the Same way it looks. Yeah. you know, and, and that, and I, that's. And it did win for set direction. That's so, right. Yeah, it, it, yeah and, and best director as well, right? So that comes into play. It's a five for me. I yeah. It's really, the way it looked was one of the things that really sucked me into it. For me, I'll put 
the set direction in this one. I will. I thought that the camera work was just fine. Like I, I don't. I don't look in. I don't look at it like it's egregious that this didn't win for cinematography. I right. think it's egregious that 2001 Space Odyssey didn't win for cinematography. Yeah, right. And Romeo, Romeo and Juliet won somehow. I will put the choreography, kind of go half and half with performance and presentation a little bit, and that it's kind of a little tougher in this one. And, and by the way, sorry, I just want to point out something. It's not just about the camera angles, the camera look, or, or the... Yeah, just the, literally... It's, it's the, about the, like... How the it popped on screen. How the filters they're yeah. using, how, sure. how, what, how they made the colors pop. Like, yeah. the, a lot of that goes into it, and, and I just think visually it looks way ahead of its time, way yeah. ahead of its time. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it a four. It's, again, really strong, but I'm not going to flip any tables that it didn't win any awards for cinematography it got it for set direction the set direction was amazing like it's it's a strong four it's a strong four that i could go five on on another day themes how the story's told i'm gonna go a three on this one i think that just by nature an adaptation of a musical that's adapted from a book is going through a filtration process that's going to water it down the g rating in itself is we're not talking about 2021 Pixar movies. We're talking about a 68 G-rated movie. There's, there's just going to be limitations in the theme. I thought they did some clever things in the background to kind of sure. get across. At the end of the day, the movie's pretty neutered as far as what it's going to really have to say about the class systems and yeah. and society. And So it's getting a three. It's going to be a very solid three. There's nothing working against it, just a three. Yeah, I, I give it a three as well. It's one of those things where musicals... In my opinion, the story and themes and stuff, sometimes that suffers. When you want to put musical numbers into it, I think sometimes the story can suffer. Mm-hmm. I felt that was the case in this one, especially since we talked about how in the second act, it's all plot. It's all just like kind of get rid and of, that's, yeah. get rid of everything. That's, and, yeah. um, so, but uh, but it, I think it, it achieved what it tried to. Yeah, solid three. I, uh, I'm with you guys. Three, three was my first and only uh, uh, response. Again, it's, it's a movie... Adapted from a book, filtered through other adaptations, movie form, also stage adaptations. It's, There's only it's filtered, so much you can do. It's filtered through a lot, and the story is seems secondary to the uh, the production, the yeah. production of it. So uh, in that way, it does fall short. So yeah, three is I think is a generous uh, in the one to ninety two scheme of things. Grant, you want to go first? <sighs> you guys, you guys talking about it bumped it up for me a little bit. Um, I'm still not as sold on it as uh, you guys are. I'd probably put this 60, 65. Mm-hmm. It, it's, you know, there's there's some things I liked about it, but overall, when you look at Oscar-winning movies, it seems unremarkable by comparison. That That's just my opinion. Yeah. Chris? I don't feel that Grant's far off, honestly. Mm-hmm. Even though I really I enjoyed it much more than he did, there's a lot of great movies. A lot of great Oscar winners out there. A lot. And, and, but there's also a lot that are a lot worse than this. Yeah, this is. Sure. A, I, I liked it much more than me. I'm not. I'm gushing over it based on just watching this movie. And I think it, your expectations were super. I think well. I think, right. it, I think it exceeded your expectations too. It absolutely yeah. did. Yeah. However, and that's fair. However, if I had to choose a movie to rewatch, I'm going to watch The Departed before I'm going to watch this movie, or I'm going to watch Dog Day Afternoon, or, or you know, the, oh, the yeah. Deer Hunter, or like yeah. I'm going to watch that before this. So so. 
I think he's not far off. Uh, Grant's not far off. Yeah, I think I'll, 60, 65 is a good range. I'll quote Grant Z from uh, a year ago is, I can't watch There Will Be Blood every day. Sometimes I need something a little lighter. But I think and the 60s this, is a good realm for it. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say, man, of the 92 winners, I mean, I've probably enjoyed 70 of them. You know, right. it's, not like, sure. it's not like the back half stinks. So. Right, right. Yeah, the 60s is a good spot to be. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think 60s, 70s is is probably on the high end of most people's best picture rankings who have seen them all. I would be a little surprised if it crept in the 50s for me, but um, it probably won't, just because it, at the end yeah. of the day, it's a little light in, right. in theme. And I kind of tend to, to like the heavier, uh, moodier, themier sure. stuff. And I, I personally like movies that whether it's just actors in a room reciting dialogue that's that's my thing there's a lot of movies that do that this the idea that this is anyone's 92 is that's from crazy to me and we're gonna get to that yeah. we got twitter yeah. questions coming up next if you had to rank david leans where would you put it Ooh. so if david leans won in 1948 yeah. where would that be yeah okay now we're talking that's a that's a power question there um i would say that's going to be right in the midpoint the mid to upper point yeah. you know so in that in the 40s, the early 40s, you know. Yeah. I really, I really enjoyed too. that. Um, I, was, I was gonna say, like, maybe high 30s. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it was a better movie for different reasons, yeah. but I liked them both. I liked them both for different reasons. Right. Okay, so just wanna roll through some qu- Twitter questions here. Our first is not a question, it's more of a comment, but we'll just react to it. It's from Ronaldo Sosa, and he writes, I don't have a question, but I want to say that this movie could have been an all-timer if Oliver himself wasn't in it. He's the dullest main character of any Best Picture winner I've seen. (laughs) Ron Moody, Oliver Reed, Shani Wallace, and Jack Wilde are all giving fun and vibrant performances, but every time we go back to Oliver himself, the movie plummets. (laughs) He's not wrong. He's agreeing with yeah. a lot of what you guys were I, saying I, yeah, earlier. We, yeah. we, we, we touched on this because I, I wasn't a fan. I wasn't a huge fan of this movie. Chris, do you feel that way? Absolutely. Love the movie, no, he's but, right. No, right. absolutely. He's, I think he's obviously necessary. He has to be in the movie, but like he's the least entertaining part of the movie. Sure. That's the fact. You know? Yeah, I mean, again, I, I said my piece on this. Right. I'll... I'll cap it with I enjoyed this movie and I tend to trust directors I respect Sir Carol Reed is a director I respect and I think he made a choice there and I I vibe with it I understand if you don't Ronaldo doesn't you guys don't I get it uh, next is from Andrew Corns. we're in statement mode here with a lot of these so we get another one the only question that matters oh I guess it is a question <laughs> How in the world does this win Best Picture over 2001? Crime of the Century. Mm. We're going to save that for the other nominees. And, the and so that's we'll, not we'll, the cast we're doing either. You know? Yeah, so right. I don't know exactly. who's, who's so. supposed to should have won. You know? But, you know, listen, it's, it's, I'm sure you're not alone. Yeah, so. Rapid Fire Mode. Here we go. Favorite Oliver Stone film. Favorite Oliver Platt performance. Favorite Jamie Oliver recipe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, platoon. This is from the Movie Journey podcast. Uh, Platoon is my favorite Oliver Stone movie. Agreed. Uh, Oliver Platt film was he? Was he in a uh, Gross Point Blank? Wasn't he? And Mine that, for sure is Ready to Rumble, the WCW oh, movie starring Rudy Pitt. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's not a bad one. And my favorite, I, my favorite Jamie Oliver. I, I don't know, Chicken Fingers. I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> he makes like healthy food, so probably not Chicken Fingers. Uh, Oliver Stone. Ugh, not a fan. Uh, 
I mean, Platoon, definitely. Uh, Oliver Platt, Frost Nixon, we already talked about it. He's he's in that. And, the whole uh, Oliver Platt is in Frost Nixon. Yeah, right? yeah, he's one of the uh, researchers there. And what was the third one? Uh, Jay, uh, Jamie Oliver Recipe. He's a British cook. I, I have no clue. <laughs> no British food sucks. I think we established that. Whoa. Whoa. Good question, though. Okay, here. So here's from a user, Pure Hangout, at Pure Hangout. And he had a comment, and I, I kind of wanted to go back to this, because this is fascinating to me, is there are people who think this is, like, the worst Best Picture winner. Wow. And I'm sure there's probably yeah. some Kubrick fans is, is probably what's going on there here. Uh, I, uh, think, I, I, even I like, think someone hasn't seen Cavalcade. Yes. Yeah, I mean, or, you know, or Broadway Melody. I yeah, mean, Jesus. There's no way that anyone could like Broadway Melody more no than way. Oliver. Come on, no. no way. But anyway, uh, Pure Hangout writes, I have an appreciation for the choreography, but this is my least favorite Best Picture winner ever. I responded, is this number 92 for you? If so, can you expand on why? Pure Hangout responded, yeah, it's number 92. It never really offends me. It's just a piece of family entertainment that I find difficult to connect with engage in so i feel disinterested while watching i've seen it twice simply it's just not my taste and it's two and a half hours it becomes grating so i you know well, again it's tough to i agree with the two and a half hours thing. i don't think any yeah, movie I, I don't, ever should be two and a half hours i don't necessarily agree i don't necessarily disagree with his points i just think that there are way worse movies that yeah. have won oscars than that Absolutely. and i think I and we've covered at least one of them we've agree. covered two yeah yeah, yeah. Jeffrey Kerr writes, Ron Moody received a Best Actor nomination for his performance as Fagin. Do you agree with that category placement? Also, do you think he would have had a better shot of winning if he had been nominated in supporting? So, uh, the Moody as lead actor, I thought was, that kind of stood out a little bit to me too. In well, modern races, it could have been a supporting, but... But I mean, yeah. who else was the lead? Yeah, Oliver think, wasn't the lead. I think he, he was I, the title well, character, think, he wasn't the lead. Yeah, I think in this movie, he is the lead. Fagin is the lead. Yeah, I agree. I kind of agree with yeah. that too. Would he have won in supporting? Maybe. Uh, I, don't I don't know the other movies. And, and I don't know who was nominated. Um, you know who was nominated for supporting? Actually, it was Gene Wilder, which I love the fact that he was nominated for right. the producers. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so that, that was cool. That's I mean, I, I think it's he, he, he should have been nominated for something, whether or not it should be lead or... or the, the role is an in a weird in-between between yeah, supporting and lead. Yeah, it's a tweener. It's a tweener, uh, but I, you know, obviously he's my he's my favorite actor in the movie. So I mean, I think he. And I do think that they were probably in star making mode with Jack Wild, where they probably wanted to launch a, a star here. You know, <sighs> yeah, trying to build off the monkeys vibe with sure. him, and they put him in a show. So I don't think they would have put the two of them in the category together. Right. They wanted to separate them. Next one's Fritz and the Oscars. Why do you think Shaney Wells was ignored? I. Bangs. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Those are bangs. Chris says her bangs got in the way. I didn't get in the way. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought she. I thought if you're going to give the guys a nomination, she could have got one. I yeah, I, I thought, thought she was, she was really supporting good. actress. I thought I really she, thought I thought she was great. great. Yeah, I think yeah. she could have gotten a nom for that. I would have nominated her. Yeah, I don't. I I thought I thought she deserved it here. And finally, from Zeta Catherine Short. Oh, uh, yes, a frequent here. From the, from the start. This was one of the last successful big-budget musicals of the 1960s. Do you think that Hollywood was in denial about the decline of the genre <laughs> and voted this in an effort to sustain the popularity of musicals? Oh, that's... 
I'm sure a possibility, right? I mean, I yeah, I I've well, thought about this question since. Do um, you, you think that Hollywood has romanticized musicals like from from a, from a bygone era? I think the Academy romanticizes England. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> and I think yeah. that there's a British invasion going on. Yeah, and theater in England has popped. Yeah. In the '60s, and I think that this is their way of embracing it. I don't really view it as like a last ditch effort to get it going again. I think it's just them riding the final wave. I, I do think that culture yeah. is changing in a dramatic way, and this 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 was a uh, part of a culture that maybe they thought was going away, and maybe this is their chance to to pay homage to it. Like a, yeah. like a swan song kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, they, I mean, maybe. they would have been wrong about that because they obviously musicals. Endure, but uh, yeah, not I, really, though. Of course, they do. I mean, dude, and maybe there's a lull, but they, they come not, back. Not, not to how it used to be. The I mean, 60s was definitely prime time for, for musicals. Yeah. I mean, it really was. But Fair enough, but they don't go away. You get your animated musicals in the early 90s and Disney. Sure. And then you, yeah, get, you get your late There's a little surge in the mid Yeah, the yeah. Chicago's and your Chicago's, Chicago's and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it comes sure. back strong in like the 2000s. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I think it's easy to look back and say this was their last ditch effort. I don't know that they necessarily were thinking that at the time. How could they view that it was dying? I mean, it was in, to me, was in a bit of a surge. I, I'm, I'm a, a firm believer in, in, like I said before, that there was a cultural shift going on and. The academy is gonna go for what had ha- has happened previously, yeah, the, not yeah. not yeah. to what's coming. You know, yeah. they're they're always be they seem to be always behind in that regard. Sure. Yeah. Oh, uh, also check out check out Zeta's podcast, Three Hundred Passions, uh, Three Hundred Passions podcast. It's uh, it's Absolutely. a great one. It's yeah, a great it's one. a Three Hundred Passions podcast. Uh, she just launched it. Uh, Grant, you were a guest. You did. Uh, it hasn't aired yet, but no, not yet. Did Chasing Amy? Looking, Chasing Amy. Looking forward to Love hearing that. that. Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, Grew up on that one. We had a we had a really great, really great talk about it. So yeah, yeah uh, it's a podcast where she takes the uh, the the FI top hundred romance passions right. list, and she takes all the movies that were nominated but didn't make the, the list. Three hundred. Yeah. Yeah. So and and kind of goes through them and and checks out which ones people think might have been on there. Right. So I was uh, I did an episode on uh, Cinderella. We stick with our animated theme <laughs> here too. So uh, that was fun. And I believe that Artie B, our very own Artie B, yeah. uh, is recording with her an episode on uh, Superman Two. Yes. Seventies or uh, that might actually be eighty one. I think it creeps into the eighties. Joey R. And Joey R. did Quovit Quov. Quovetus, Quovetus. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm staying on theme with not being able to pronounce anything either. So, <laughs> yeah, so we've had a few uh, best picture hosts on there with her. So I don't think any of those have aired yet to this date, but they're right. they're coming. They're coming. So, so before we go, we did want to talk a little bit just to, in in an effort to promote this animated tournament we got coming up in the Disney's late '80s Billy Joel driven <laughs> adaptation of Oliver and Oliver and Company. Yeah. Available on Disney Plus. We all uh, had a blast watching this, right? My Chris? my daughter my daughter loved it. Mm-hmm. My daughter loved it very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, was, uh, <laughs> my daughter liked it. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't crazy about it. It listen, it's a bad combination. There's it's eighties Joel and eighties <laughs> Disney, two things that that just are notoriously bad. And, and <laughs> it actually it, it is better than I thought it would be. But the music is is insufferable. I mean, it really is. <laughs> Billy Joel's, I, and I know he's from our area. He's a New Yorker. Yada yada, great. 
but like that, that you're over from, the top. You're not, you're not from Long Island. Yeah, man. you're right. You're it. right. I'm yeah. not. And and, and and he makes me glad I'm not because <gasps> his his. Wow. His, I will. I will not stand for this. Yeah, no, this I'm is sorry. Right. We'll let him go first, and we'll just we'll his, get the last word. His ridiculously over the top. I'm a tough guy. Queens, whatever the hell he's from, accent. Hicksville. <laughs> <laughs> it's brutal, man. I, I just I don't buy it. It's rough, and just his. His eighties like uh, uh, what is it? What is it? Strictly eighties like, Joel. It, 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 well, this this isn't like eighties like, doo This isn't the doo Billy, This isn't doo Billy it's Joel. It's not far off. But it's uh, so yeah. It, it's amazing, uh, you know, as Long Islanders, we haven't talked about Billy Joel yet. You know, well, <laughs> we have, where where were we going to? Yeah, well, and as they say, I'm not from Long Island. I'm yeah, from Connecticut. The, yeah, and this, Billy this, Joel is this a place from Connecticut. Here. Let's like, be honest; he's this place from Connecticut. So. You have no seat at this table. I'll I'll say Gladly. this about I'll say this about Billy Joel's performance as the artful Dodger here. It's not very good. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Well, here's the biggest issue that I had was he puts on the voice for the character, right? Yeah. Yeah, kid, we'll show you around here. You but but then when the song kicks in, he's just Billy Joel again. Yeah. You know, know. so like. Yeah, we're talking about the lip sync and dubbing no, police. Like, it like, doesn't look like he's singing because it's just he just rolls yeah. into Billy Joel. I don't know, man. You can't it's... be Queen Street tough guy, and then when the song starts, you're but Billy you know, Joel. Like, again. When like you know, like you have people that are that are uh, British when they sing, they sound American. That's you know? not what's going on. Here. <laughs> That's not what's going on. I'm trying here. to trying to figure it out. Uh, I actually really enjoyed the movie a lot, and believe it or not, this is the first movie I ever saw in theaters. Is there really? Kid. Yeah, it was oh, it wow. was my original theater experience. Yeah, I, I mean, I was four years old, but it's my earliest memory of, of being in the theaters. Okay. And I was trying to match it up. And I'm like, you know what? I, I feel like I also saw I also saw Land Before Time at a very early age. Yeah. And then in doing research, they both came out on the same day. But so yeah. I got there. Must have seen that like a, a I month, couple the months Land later. Time uh, Pizza Hut tie-in with the rubber with the rubber. Uh... Puppets. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. And But there was a big time, I think, Burger King marketing campaign with Oliver and Company, because I remember having all those toys, like the little was Chihuahua. It, Burger, it was probably McDonald's. No, it was Burger King. Was it? Because yeah, we had a Burger King in our town. But like there was, uh, yeah, the little Chihuahua, all the dogs and cats, yeah. and, they, and they had everything in there. So, and I just remember being terrified by Sykes in uh, in this, with closing, the, closing the, uh, the... The window. The window, the car window on the guy's throat. Yeah, i Dahlia wasn't upset by that? Like, she didn't... <laughs> Oh no, man! No, I mean, she's seen darker. Yeah, I mean, Matt, listen, yeah. she's almost five, and she's you know, the modern Disney movies are just different. I mean, she she wasn't she was, thought it was fine. Like, yeah. it, there was no big reaction to it. It was basically yeah. like, yeah, it's, Daddy, I liked it. It's cool. Now, if we want to do a little Sopranos reference, there, do we know who voices Sykes in this? No, Feech Lamana from ah, uh, the I'm kidding. <laughs> Love Feech. Yeah. The, the, a minor Sopranos character, not a yeah. yeah. It's the best part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, it was fine. Like my daughter liked it. it. It's it's cool. On the scale of like Disney movies, it's definitely gonna be low on my list personally. Yeah. Uh, if we were gonna bring back Batman references, uh, our closest one we had was the voice of the of the bulldog Francis Roscoe Lee Brown was in the Batman animated series. Okay. Uh, but he was my favorite character in this does, one. Is the, the British bulldog yeah, in this yeah. just was? Does anybody else feel like? I, even though it's ethnically like 
Okay, the Chihuahua. That 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 Cheech is is really racist sounding character. Is a stereotype. Yeah, I know he's. It's fine. I mean, he's of yeah. that culture. But no, it's I just torture. Chain me to the wall. <laughs> it's yeah. really bad, dude. Like, I, I, yeah, I get that. It was upsetting. You but know, but I mean, I guess twenty it, years it, later in Cars, you have the beaten down pickup truck as the Hispanic character. <laughs> so that, yeah, that's that's kind of worse. Yeah, it hasn't gotten any yeah. better. I guess. Um, Jesus. As long, uh, as long as they're as long as they're voiced by if the actor is from the same ethnicity, it's not as bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, that's what gives it. The so voice. George Clooney, hey man, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he can't really do that. And, and Bette Midler, not, not my favorite person. No, uh, but but it's not that bad. The, I mean, the importance of this movie okay. is is that it's it's in between Disney's eighties. Not lull isn't the right way to say it. Them basically almost yeah. tanking, taking the yes. next step to musicals. No, this, this yeah, and exactly. they tried to do it in this way, yeah. cramming a bunch of late '80s stars into it. In Bette Midler, yeah. Yeah. Billy Joel, I think uh, Huey Lewis does a song. Yeah, Huey Lewis is the opening song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so uh, and you're trying to get them in that way, and then the really key importance of the song is the first Disney Howard Ashman song is in this, I see. which is the opening tune that. That Huey Lewis sings, I think, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. "Once Upon a Time in New York City," Something I think is the that, song, yeah. Yeah. and he is the linchpin in changing the narrative because yeah, yeah. he writes all of Little Mermaid, he writes all of uh, Beauty, Beauty and the Beast, Beast right. and then yeah. writes some of Aladdin before he passes away. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so this is the first introduction of him. So it is a transitional. And by the way, that's period. my favorite song in the in the movie. Is the, fir- is the is opening the, is song. The first one. And, and listen, I like the Billy Joel song. Come on, it's a I, great tune. I do like it. It's not as good as I remember it. I that was my initial reaction, but then yeah. after listening to it eleven times this week, I, uh, I <laughs> it's, it's now and now it's in my regular rotation. Awful. What's your what's <laughs> your crazy? What's your favorite Billy Joel song? Oh oh, it's a hands down Vienna. Me. me too. Yeah, there's no doubt. Is yeah. is my favorite oh, Billy Joel song. I didn't think that song. Uh, that I also gonna... love uh, "She's Always a Woman." Is, uh, is yeah, I like the great one. Too. You know what? You know what song I feel is really underrated by Billy Joel is uh, "All for Lena." Oh, I don't know that one. Oh, it's a good one. Oh, it's like okay. it's, I think it's from like "Broken Broken uh, Broken Windows" or "Cool uh, Shattered Glass," whatever that album's called. I think it's from there. It's like early '80s Joel. Wow, it's good. Um, and listen, Step Brothers <laughs> effectively <laughs> buried 80s Joel. You know, oh, like, dude, I mean, that's an that amazing that, something for that the might stranger. Be, that Genius. might be one of the most intelligent criticisms of anything I've ever heard in my life. Like, they, when they said Genius. that, I was like, oh my God. That's something that nobody, everybody knows, but yeah. nobody talked about before that movie. We're stri- <laughs> we are strictly an 80s, an 80s Billy Joel cover band, sir. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, Billy Joel doo-wop sucks. It's just classic. Yeah, absolutely classic. And while 80s Joel can be ripped, I will say this. 90s Joel is extremely underrated. River of Dreams, and, yeah. It, River of Dreams takes a little beating there, but you have I Go to Extremes. Yeah, yeah. that's a good song. Shameless. Yeah. yeah. All About Soul. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, that was, that was and Downey's, So It Goes. Downey Star Alexa, right? That's the, and uh, Downey yeah. Star Alexa. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one, too. And yeah. So It Goes. Another great song, too. Yeah. So 90s Joel is, is better than... Yeah, everybody has a dark period. I've had some dark periods, too. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they weren't... They weren't... They didn't torture everybody for an entire decade. <laughs> <laughs> Unless when you talk about my wife. Yeah, everybody. And then, yeah. <laughs> and <then> maybe... <laughs> okay, so this is the point where we go through the other nominees... Of the year. This is not a Who Should Have Won podcast. We always like to recognize the other ones. We're going to start with the Paul Newman directed. It's called Rachel Rachel. And uh, Rachel is a lonely school teacher who lives with her mother. When a man from the big city asks her out, she starts thinking about where she wants to go with her cool. life. 
This yeah, sounds like, like a Hallmark movie. Well, it's directed by Paul Newman. It was nominated for Best Picture. I don't know if he did much else as a director after that, but yeah. I love Paul Newman. I, I, I do too. I do too. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, just so much. Good. And we'll talk about Paul Newman in our Sting episode, Chris, which you will be on. Yes, sir. That's for the other I, guys. We I have the love, Godfather love, guys and then yeah. the other guys. So. I love wrestling movies. <laughs> <laughs> I love movies about lead singer bassists. Yeah, so Rachel, Rachel, I haven't seen it. Again, I don't know that I have much else to say there. Uh, next is a Barbara Streisand affair, Funny Girl, also G rated. I know. I mean, that's a that's a beloved movie, right? I I know I know of it. I've never. It, it, I think among Streisand fans, it's it's considered a classic. Sure. Yeah. Well, so. she wins the Best Actress Oscar in a tie with Catherine Hepburn. Ties. Oh, I don't like that. When ties are for early '90s hockey. Here. What's Let's the, get it. I don't, who's, I don't who's, like that. Who's it tied? She's tied with Hepburn for Catherine what? Hepburn in Lion in the Winter. Uh, so. Okay. That's that's inexcusable. Yeah, there cannot be ties. No. Let's pick. Let's yeah. choose. I don't even let you guys pick between a three or a four. Here. You can't go three and a half. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I feel like cool. if I feel like if there was a tie, they should just have like an arm wrestling thing. But I know that's arm wrestle. <laughs> that's that's definitely. A... <laughs> Who wants it more? Bounce would probably win that. I think. Uh, that's a uh, beloved. That's a beloved movie. So I'm yeah, haven't seen it. But the, the life of Fanny Bryce, famed comedian and entertainer of the early 1900s we see her rise to fame as a zigfield girl subsequent career and her personal life particularly her relationship with nick arnston and uh omar sharif in this one omar sharif plays nick arnston he's uh one of the key characters in Lawrence okay. arabia uh we have what possibly could have been the runner-up maybe the line in the winter which is talking about Lawrence of arabia that's peter o'toole stars in this one is henry the second hmm. We might have been tired of Henry movies at this point. <laughs> uh, Catherine Hepburn's in this one as she plays uh, Eleanor. And uh, that's her tied Oscar yeah. win, which again is just total bullshit. Directed by Anthony Harvey in 1183 AD, King Henry II's three sons all want to inherit the throne, but he won't commit to a choice. They and his wife variously plot to force him. This seems like a movie, Chris. You're gonna go run and watch tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> although I, you know, I am watching The Crown and I am jo- enjoying that. But oh, okay. like, was but, this? Does this predate the uh, the Firstborn? Is the heir right? I mean, isn't that how it works? The Firstborn son is the heir. I, no what. I don't get into royal politics. He won't commit though. He won't yeah. commit. There's probably I mean, not this as might, much. This might predate that that rule. So there's probably know. not as much dopamine shots in this one. To keep yeah, you going I would imagine. Like, I mean, the yeah, the crown is you have some sexy ladies in it. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy. I yeah. enjoy. There's a bunch of things I enjoy in it. Next is a cinematography winning movie that I watched in Mr. Dillon's English class. Shout outs to Mr. Dillon. It's mm-hmm. Romeo and Juliet. I saw this in his class too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I love when he scuffled to the screen when the nudity scene came on. Fast, yeah. fast forward ah! the VCR. Oh, no. really You're like, great, thanks. We wanted the anatomy <laughs> uh, class too. But... We did get a glimpse of it. <laughs> and do we, if we needed to read the synopsis of Romeo and Juliet, when two young members of feuding families meet, forbidden love ensues. I like how they kept it nice and short for anyone who's looking to. We all know what it is. A famous yeah, writer on that movie. William Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Yeah, William Shakespeare himself. <laughs> we covered his uh, likeness in Shakespeare in Love, of course. Yeah. And then, of course, we have to bring up the most famous one that wasn't nominated, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. But before that, we talked about maybe the Academy being a little behind the times with yeah. genres. There's also a big comedy that year that's been remembered great and a horror movie that's been remembered great. Comedies, the producers. Right. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. can slot that in there amongst sure. one of these. Sure. And Rosemary's Baby. 
Oh, wow. Year two. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think if you look back, it's directed by Roman Polanski. Sure. Those are probably both nominees that yep. year. But sure. so 2001 A Space Odyssey, you guys have seen that recently? Not recently, but I've seen it. Like, I, you know, the Kubrick. So I watched it for this front to end for the first time, really. It's, an, you can't sit here and argue that it's anything but undoubtedly a great Course. piece of filmmaking yeah, sure. I mean it is it's not the most watchable movie in the world it's not the def- it's certainly not a rewatchable yeah. movie I mean no Kubrick has rewatchable movies this is not and that's one of not them. one of them and, and also uh, uh, Clockwork is also not a rewatchable which is movie. That's, that's a really awful subject matter <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah there's, there's, there's some tough stuff in that yeah. and there's let's be completely honest here too 2001 A Space Odyssey has the, has the heart and the spirit of like an instruction manual I mean, it's just, yeah. it's so cold it's and dry. dry. I mean, yeah. by design. And, yeah, know. of course. Yeah, but yeah. that doesn't, that's not great for the viewer. And no. I'll say this, though. Everyone wants to scream and yell about 2001 A Space Odyssey not winning Best Picture, Best Director. Set Design, I think we, we, we created a decent yeah. argument on sure. the other side. Not winning for sound yeah. is yeah. absurd. Yes. That's yeah. irresponsible. Yeah. I mean, the sound in this movie is... Yeah. brilliant yeah. it only wins for visual effects and that ends up, ends up being Kubrick's only Oscar is the visual effects that's winning right. in this movie oh, that's, which is insane um, cool performances I liked the, the actors in it sure it's it's an impressive movie yeah. for sure it's not my favorite movie I, I'm sure RDB like loves it and it's I right mean, up his alley you, know? you just, can you can love it and also recognize that it it wasn't it wasn't made for the masses it just wasn't right. like I mean that, that, that's not what he was going for I don't think in his entire career he was going for that you know yeah I think he liked the accolades but I, I don't think Kubrick was necessarily thinking no if, if, assuming that a hundred million people were going to see that movie you know well, just think because of this movie, he got to uh, film the, the staged moon landing. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. right. Uh, is that where that's come from? Is that, is that what people the think? People th- yeah, I know the people there's think, there's but there's a documentary about it. Like, uh, room, it's called Room Two Thirty Seven. Right. Oh, and I haven't seen that. It's, a, it's, it's about the shining. It's, it's, it's I know the documentary. Yeah, it's I, a okay. documentary about how um, it's fucking. It's, you're you're gonna like rip your hair out. I heard it's a steaming pile of garbage. Oh my god! Yeah, but it's it's just like all these clues that Kubrick leaves in The Shining that he directed oh, the moon, yeah. that he directed the moon landing. That's, right. And you're going to, you're going to want to like, you're going to want to like, just kick your windows. Out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. You're like, it's, 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 yeah. It's you just realize that any, people can just rationalize anything. Just, well, it's like, it's like, oh, no see, Danny's what. wearing a, a sweater with a spaceship on it. Oh, clearly. It's like, fuck yeah, Jack raised his eyebrow at this time period in the movie. Yeah. Like, come on. Wow. It's it's insane. Kubrick's movies are really good with with like setting this these environments where maybe even conspiracy theories are right because they're so sci-fi and so fucking weird. Yeah. And like it, it it lends itself. His movies lend themselves to this crazy sure. <laughs> these crazy yeah. theories and you know. Yeah. It's just one of those things where if you want to see something in it, you're gonna find something. Yeah. Like, every like, they, people think that everything is a symbol or as a sign. I know. Know. So that's that, guys. We did it. We Oliver did. in the books. Awesome. Yeah. Any closing thoughts? I, I, I just want to uh, just lay off musicals with me for a while. <laughs> we'll bring back our musical team next time. Artie B and Joey are. And well, maybe me. I don't know. You I'm, might be a musical I'm kinda, guy. I think maybe, I might be Yeah, in. maybe you're know. converted. I mean, I think it's time for you to watch Sound of Music again. That's very clear, Chris. Oh. As long as I don't have to watch that movie plus four other movies that, that coincide <laughs> with this yeah. movie.
But hey, we want to hear from you. It's really what it comes down to yes. out there. Email yeah. us, hit us up on social media. Grant here runs the Facebook account. He's on top of that all the time. I run the Twitter account. We joint run the Instagram account, yes. so you'll get us that. I do the beer runs. <laughs> That's right. Chris does the beer runs. That's just as important. And yeah, we, we want to hear if you liked our opinions on Oliver and the other movies we talked about, or if you think we need to think it out again, let us know. That's what we want to hear. And at the end of the day, you have to pick a podcast or two, and we're glad that you chose <laughs> BPC. Thank you. We'll see you next week.